Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And that's why the papers this morning talk of uh, Medheron issuing a nationwide six-day weather warning for unseasonably wet and windy conditions. That's pretty much from Thursday onwards. Be aware of that. Mind you, the highest temperature ever recorded, or at least since they started recording and logging temperatures, uh, happened in America, down in Death Valley on Sunday afternoon when they clocked up an incredible temperature of 54.4 degrees Celsius. In Yankee terms, that's 130 Fahrenheit. Uh, an amazing temperature. I mean, you just could not su- survive that for... Like, it's, it's incredibly hot. Uh, a higher reading of 56.6 was recorded there in 1913. But apparently, scientists dispute that one. So, 54.4. Paper-wise, this morning, actually talking about numbers is very important because you see the absolute... We might be in a pandemic... But there certainly is pandemonium in the UK because of this algorithm they used to mark their equivalent to the leaving certificate. I remember listening to the BBC over the weekend and they asked some math scientists to explain the algorithm. Uh, I was never great at maths, but even when they asked her to do it in layperson's terms, I couldn't understand a word the woman was saying as to how they worked out the, um, the, 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 the marks for for the the um, British exam system. Um, and it seems, it's their A-levels, it seems that um, those that suffered the most were from the poorest backgrounds and the poorest schools. So they abandoned that in the UK. But they abandoned it too late for people who um, had applied for university, uh, had to turn down the university place because they didn't get the amount of points. Then they reversed the marking system and they decided to just go with teachers' assessment instead So the students found they now had enough points for university, but they can't go to the university because the places are gone. So they're now being told, well, take a gap year and you can go next year. But of course, all that means is that it's going to put pressure on next year's students in the UK. And we're asleep at the wheel here because the very same thing has the potential to happen to Leaving Cert students. Because there's an awful lot of similarity between what happened and the Pillamaloo in the UK and the Leaving Cert system of grading. Papers are picking up it, but all, everyone's on holidays. Politicians are all on holidays. Councillors, by and large, are all on holidays. So there's been a review a call now in the Irish Times this morning for a view of the Leaving Cert system of grading. But how do you make... I suppose you can make a U-turn even at the last minute. But the mail this morning says, Educators Minister, um, you know, how is this going to work if it didn't work and it embarrassed the British government? In fact, they're calling for the British um, Education Secretary to resign. So they're looking for clarity here because very, very soon, uh, teens and young people are going to get their leaving certificate results based not only on the teachers grading them, but also the performance in the past of their school. It's insane. So more on that, particularly if you have concerns, text 0868104106. Some car parents, according to the Echo, are opting to permanently homeschool their children from September because, okay, COVID-19 is a worry for them, but they've actually noticed improvements in their mental health during lockdown. So that's very interesting. Uh, UCCO warning students, don't go signing any deals now for accommodation anytime soon. Don't be given over deposits. They've got onto the students' union because students actually don't know how long they're going to be spending on campus at all. So don't be wasting good money, they're saying, not anytime soon. Um, you know, the drop in the amount of passengers 
uh, to Cork Airport is a real worry for the future of the airport and staff. We need to be aware of that. They're down 90% in passenger numbers, and that's the story from the Echo. And we're expecting more announcements today regarding Neffet, uh, and the government should make an announcement with regards to older people being told to limit their time outdoors again. There's a worry that two or three other counties could go into a form of lockdown in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and there's also lots and lots of recommendations expected today on nursing homes. So we'll have to see, but they're also talking about gatherings in houses to be reduced to six people. Yeah? Um, and, uh, you know, outdoor in your garden, is it 12 or 15, something like that. So that's because of the, the rise in cases. But the localised lockdowns is something that could uh, totally eliminate COVID-19, whether that's by county by county, suburb by suburb. Who knows what they're going to do? There's so many experts now there's so many professors and there's so many academics rowing in with their opinions on this. And politicians are listening to all of it. That's why we seem to be changing horses midstream all of the time. From horses to motor cars and the volume of cars, according to the examiner this morning, is back to pre-pandemic numbers by all accounts. And the papers also talk today because of coronavirus. The Echo says on Lee side, there are tens of thousands of people actually 60,000 people on waiting lists um, for outpatient appointments in Cork hospitals. But because of COVID, it's made it difficult for hospitals across Cork and Ireland to tackle waiting lists, according to consultants. I'm not sure why, because I'm told that the amount of COVID activity in our Cork hospitals is pretty much negligible. So I hope they'll be able to start getting back to ploughing through those waiting lists. But 60,000 is where is that? 28,500 of them at the CUH, people waiting uh, for appointments. Um, and of course, they're also talking about problems in the uh, in the emergency department at the CUH, um, and they're asking people to you know be patient because they're exceptionally busy. Imagine what it's going to be like come winter time. And then, of course, uh, that racist attack on the two uh, Chinese young men uh, on Lee side makes all of the papers today. I'm reading it from the Mirror in Cork Bio. An horrific attack: two Chinese men assaulted in a violent attack on Lee side. Martin Hong and Arthur Ma. Spent six hours in hospital after the assault here in on Leaside on August 8th. One of them has been left with injuries, of course, to his eye, lost teeth and afraid to go out of his house. I'll come back to that story again in a few minutes' time. But the Guardian are investigating that toker attack uh, involving a number of male youths at Pierce Road in Balafi Han. Not unlike the attack on the uh, Chinese woman in the canal in Dublin who was pushed into uh, the Liffey. Papers also talked today about when is, it's a colour piece actually in the Times, when is the best time to start and to stop monitoring your child or your teenager's phone? You know, YouTube, TikTok, WhatsApp, Snapchat, if ever. I mean, do you monitor? Take your teenager's phone from them and, and check it out. And if you do, how does that go down? And there's a new app now, apparently. Um, it's kind of uh, the, the latest tech that you can download onto your phone fairly soon. Um, and it'll tell I don't know how effective it will be. The phone will, say, for instance, detect when you're not walking straight. Um, I mean, it won't stop you starting the car or anything, but it'll warn you about risky behavior uh, if it feels that you're, um, you know, a little bit over the limit or whatever the case may be. So um, it's not kind of big brother. I suppose it is to an extent, really, isn't it? You never know where any of this information goes. But they've been trialing it, actually, with different participants. um, And they have this mobile phone. They download the app. Um, and apparently it's the camera and stuff like that works together with the phone to say if you're wobbling or as they say on Lee side, if you're having a bit of a speed wobble, it'll warn you not to drive or be careful that you don't fall over.
The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Lines open at one 104 106 You can text 0868 104 106. Massive amount of emails and texts. I could be talking here till midday without ever putting a phone call on the air, but that's not what this is about. So can I please start with the guard investigation into an alleged assault of two Chinese men I'm reading from the Echo this morning, involved a number of male youths at Pierce Road in Palafihan. Happened um, Saturday, August the 8th, 8 p.m. The two men in their 20s were verbally abused and then physically assaulted, sustaining cuts and bruises. Um, And apparently they were making fun of the two lads. When the lads then asked them to repeat what they were saying, they started laughing at them and made fun of them and uh, gave them the middle finger and stuff like that. One of the lads then started to record the attack on his phone. Um, and then things kicked off after that. Um, and then there was physical contact. Two men were then assaulted by one member of the gang. Actually resulted in them having to, to go to hospital. And then the Mirror this morning has photographs of some of the injuries to Martin Hong, to his face. He got punched in the face. He got punched in the neck. Um, and the other lad then has his eyes and nose punched. And one of them lost a couple of teeth. So in the space of uh, a week, two different uh, unprovoked racist attacks that were physical and verbal that led to um, a woman in the Dublin area being turfed into the canal uh, and two cork lads uh, punched and beaten up. Jojo is uh, of the Chinese community. She's been living here over 20 years, in fairness to her, and she's been on the air with me from time to time in the past. Jojo, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I, I'm well, thank you. And and a lot of the time I see that um, members of the Chinese community have, have things like China virus and covid shouted at them and Kung Flu and things like that. Yeah, are, are, yeah. You, are you aware of the two lads in Balafihan? I heard about it. I read it on news. Um, I, I, I read it on news. Yes, yeah, okay. I, I heard about it. Okay, yes. okay. Is this a worry, do you think, for members of the Chinese community when they go about their business that something like could be said to them? A little bit. Um, I had this kind of experience, but not from Connecticut. Since I moved to Connecticut, um, uh, everything has been fine. And uh, it was very upsetting to see the two guys uh, being assaulted and, and abused like that. It is, it, uh, but I still believe it's uh, a terrible action from a small amount of people. Most people are still very kind-hearted. That's yes, I but think. in the space of a number of days now, we had a Chinese woman thrown into the canal, um, and then we had two Cork Chinese members of the Chinese community who were beaten up. I know in the city, uh, in the cities, and you have a lot of these people. You know these kind of incidents. It's very upsetting, very upsetting. And uh, um, I, I haven't received any abuse. And but if if that just say if that happened to me, Neil, I would just uh, ignore them unless it, uh, they they got very physically aggressive. I would just ignore them. That's just the best way to deal with this. Is first. When first happened, just ignore them. Keep on walking. Don't even look at them. Are, are you referring to the fact that the lads took, one of the Chinese lads took out his mobile phone and started recording? Do you think that that just inflames things, makes yes, things wor- that, worse? That, uh, that draws them on. That, uh, uh, that is just, uh, uh, the, the gang got a satisfaction out of it. And then, so they're young. I presume they're teenagers. You know, some teenagers these days are like that. They are actually all over the place. They're everywhere. They're easily influenced since Donald Trump uh, said a Chinese virus is the way he said it. And it went viral all over social media, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, um, also social media. But uh, I didn't take this now uh, like heavy hearted. I, uh, you know, uh, I, I personally, I think Donald Trump is a very funny man. 
That's but do the China do do, do 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 does the Chinese community take any responsibility? You know, put inside the physical attack and the verbal attack and, and Donald Trump. Does China take any responsibility for this virus? Do you think it did come from uh, China? Yes, it does come from China. Uh, China, I still believe. But I would blame the government. I would not blame the people. When you look at this no, matter, you, you have to people. separate your 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 view. You're you right. have to use a clear view to to view who who is in the wrong. I believe it's the government. They did the cover cover up. They did not control this virus very well. You're aware now. There's a big. There's a big huge outdoor um, party concert in Wuhan. No masks. No physical distancing. Yesterday. Um, no, I haven't checked the yeah. news yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I believe. Um, everyone, uh, they were still to wear masks when they are outdoors. As as long as they, as soon as they left their home, um, they're supposed to put on face masks. Were, were um, you ever were you ever the victim of any kind of racist comment? Well, yes. When I was young, when I was living in Cork, uh, in work, sometimes in work in the city, in work, um, sometimes yes. What would happen? I, I did. Um, just uh, 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 like. Some some customers I served that was in the city now many many years ago when I was in my early twenties, and uh, would call me names you know that uh, 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 like oh chink something like that you know uh, like just just treated me like how uh, did it make you feel when they used terms like that? Well, unless they get they, unless they chased after me and keep at it, and I would just ignore when they first said it. I would just. Carry on what I was doing. Carry okay. on with my job. Okay. And but, I put my head up and then and do what I am supposed to do and ignore them. And, and ignore they them. get yeah, yeah. they get that. Okay. But you mentioned to Brenda some incident involving um being refused entry to a pub restaurant. Oh yes, that was uh, um I think it was a month ago. Um we me, myself, my uh myself, my husband and uh, our ten year old daughter, we went on to uh, to a trip to Jersey Island. On the way, just before we got got near to Casa I, I don't want to know the establishment, obviously, because I I would have to check oh, with I them. But that. just just yeah. give me the story. Yeah, and, and we saw we saw this sign miles and miles um, uh, ahead of the the, the the building, just saying such a place good serve good food served all day. So we kept on driving. We found it. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere, totally detached building. We parked our car and then we went in, sanitized our hands, standing at the door. And a, a guy was uh, uh, clearing a table. The place was literally almost empty. And then I, my husband said, we, could we please have a table for three? And uh, he, he said, uh, oh, that, should, that, that shouldn't be a problem. I just need to ask. Uh, uh, I suppose he was, he was going to ask a senior manager, I suppose. And the lady came out, all smiles, and then until she saw me. And she said, oh, actually, guys, I'm so sorry. Um, I don't have a table for you. Um, N- not today. I'm fully booked until until this evening. At the time, it was what time was that? Uh, just gone one o'clock, just during lunchtime, and the place was literally empty. She she uh, she she just said, "I'm fully booked until this evening. I don't have a table for you." I know we didn't take it too bad. We just said, "Oh, thank you. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter." So we just left. And uh, were you upset? I, no, things like that don't bother me anymore, Neil. But, but do you think that it was booked out? I mean, you said the first staff member said that didn't wouldn't be a problem. But when that's they what, saw... That's a guy, yeah. He, he said, oh, it should be okay. It shouldn't be a problem, he said. And then the lady refused us then. And do you think it was because of your origin? I think so, personal, personally. Because of uh, your nationality? Husband, 
Yes, my husband afterwards said in the car, when we got back into the car, he said, um, Jojo, I, I'm sorry, but I think it's, it's, uh, they refused us um, because you're Chinese. They think, um, they think you, you just landed like we're tourists. And I had that feeling in my heart as well. I just didn't say it. But you're 20 and, uh, years here, like... Uh, yes, yes, but yeah. uh, if you was it the case that she felt that situation, you um, they they would think, oh, this woman now is just landed from China. Now we are, she's not safe here. We we can't we can't let her into our building. So I could understand. I don't get angry over this. I could understand. I put myself into their. But you can't. Situation. You you under, you accept then that people would be reticent to share a restaurant with somebody from China. Well, in the rural side now, rural area um, of Ireland, some people could be afraid. Some people could be afraid. Yes, but in Connecticut, I've been to, uh, like, Connecticut. I went to Bend and Skibreen. I We were in Cork, in Wilton area now, um, on Sunday. And uh, no no problem, no problem. Nobody look at me in a different way. Okay, and but then in that normal. case, do you feel it was that the restaurant didn't want you because they felt other customers might have been uncomfortable with somebody from China that's eating? The, that's, yes, yes, that's the way okay. I was thinking. Okay, yes. okay. Because these, these two lads are, are tell the mirror this morning that this is the first time that they've been physically attacked. And, and for the past week, one of them says, I'm afraid to go outside my home because it happened near my home. I don't even dare to go to the shop now. I've been at home all week trying to recover physically and mentally. Yeah, it, is, it was very uh, hurting and very traumatizing for them. I could understand that. A very, very painful experience. I never had any experience like that. It was, you know, when you don't have the experience like that, it's hard for you to imagine. But I can, I can feel, I can feel, you know, I know how they feel, you know. Yeah. And where do you so think that, where do you think these, uh, these teens learned this kind of behavior? Social media, social media, especially uh, young children, like teenagers, they're easily influenced, very easily. Even adults are influenced. But adults, uh, we adults, we can control our behavior. Well, most of us can, I believe. Um, uh, but the teenagers now, they at that age, they're easily influenced. And uh, some of them, they're just, you know, uh, they went off the rails. You know, what can you do? Okay. It's, just, uh, it's a sad situation. It's upsetting. Okay, okay. Listen, look after yourself. Good to catch up. Talk again soon. Take care for now. Thank you. You take care, Neil. Nice right. talking to you too. As always, Jojo uh, down West Cork. I refer there to the central Chinese city of Wuhan. Appears to have moved on from the virus very much. Uh, it was the ground zero for the pandemic at one stage. And now they've had uh, a massive, with thousands of thousands of party goers, in an open-air water park for an electronic music festival. No masks, no physical distancing measures whatsoever. The party going in swimsuits, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, life goes on, I suppose. The Neil Prenderville Show, on Twitter, at NeilRedFM. Yes, indeed, he texts 0868 uh, In the introduction there, when I was chatting, I was talking about the British system for their A-levels and the GCSEs and things and how they had to do a complete and utter U-turn. So I said all of that, I walked through it, I'm not going to repeat any of it. Uh, I have a feeling and a fear that uh, we could be asleep at the wheel here and the same will happen in the next couple of weeks with regards to leaving certificate results because there's an awful lot of similarity between the way we're going to, mar- are going to give out results and have marked results and the abandoned grading by algorithm that they tried in the UK. Um, and I'm just worried now that if something isn't done about it and, uh, you know, if we don't get this uh, this changed, 
um, that the same situation is going to affect the futures of many, many, many teenagers and their career paths. Um, um, Donica Lira took some time out this morning. I do appreciate it. He's the Sinn Féin spokesperson in education. joins me by phone. Donica, good morning. Good morning. Are we, are we asleep at the wheel here? What are your thoughts? Are you worried? I am worried, and I think you're right to be worried, Neil. I suppose some of us have been raising this issue for several months, ever since the process for the calculated grades was announced, and I have reservations over the calculated grades approach generally, but I was always of the view that school profiling it should not have been part of the system. I suppose the difficulty is that we don't know. Obviously, there are similarities to the system in Scotland, the North, Wales, and England, but we don't know how similar, because I wrote to the Minister about two months ago asking her to publish the model uh, and I wrote to the steering group on calculated grades asking the same and they refused to do so and they said that they won't do so until the grades are handed out. I think that's absolutely wrong, especially when there's so many students out there who are deeply worried and deeply upset. Yeah, are you still there? Right. Okay, Sorry. just, Sorry. just, just, um, let's just, for, for people who are listening, who are waiting on a leaving certificate result or parents of a son or daughter. Leaving Cert pupils here are being marked under a similar system which takes into account the pupils' past performance as well as their school's historic grades, the performance of the school in the past. That sounds very like the British system to me. It is, and there will be, as I understand, a lot more weight on the school's past performance than the students' past performance. Like, look, we can all think of examples in our own circles of students or classes that just don't fit with the trend. I came across an example of uh, a class, uh, they were Desh school, uh, had never had anything above a C in agricultural science and one particular year it was three A1s. Now, junior third results aren't going to tell you anything about that, but will the algorithm allow for, for those three students who were particularly good at that exam and, you know, who, as I understand it, all got high, um, got high results and consequently got, you know, the, the third level places they were looking for. Like, I mean, to some extent, people might see this as academic, but it's not. This could have the impact of meaning that students will miss out on a course that they have been hoping for that could potentially transform their lives. But it can also mean that students who might, who could end up failing a subject or indeed the leaving search as a whole, who did not deserve to fail. Uh, I think that is mostly wrong. And it will, it appears, if the experience in Scotland, in Wales, in the North uh, and in England is replicated, it looks like it's students from working class backgrounds, students from schools that have uh, a track record of low results that they are the ones who suffer most, no matter how talented an individual student. Yes, it's not about, you see, these results are no longer now about the individual. They're about the class and the classes last year, five years ago and 10 years ago. And that's in the UK, 40% of the students had their marks downgraded. And that meant that the 40% actually were from poorer areas, poorer schools, and it favoured private schools who had, you know, the ones we see at the top of the performance list every year. Exactly. And look, I mean, the education system, not only there, but here as well, already favours people from backgrounds of higher incomes. Unfortunately, that's baked into education systems here and in Britain uh, from a very early age. But it appears that this will exacerbate, as I say, there will be people who deserve to get a course. There will be people who will fail a subject or fail the leaving that do not deserve to do so. Um, So like 
we have a minister who's just been missing in action yeah. uh, in recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's not good enough. It's not good enough as well in terms of the return to school because there's an awful lot of unanswered questions there, but we might discuss that a different day. Um, but, like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it is high time now with so many concerned students that the model is published, that we get to see, like, I don't believe school profiling should have a role, but if the minister believes it should have a role, that she should publish the But model. what was wrong with just, oh. what was wrong with teacher assessment? Or even teacher assessment plus the mocks? Well, look, I mean, I don't think it's it's absolutely perfect of a system, obviously, because um, there are issues with, you know, whether two different teachers in the same school might mark the same way, albeit there's safeguards for that. Um, but obviously in the context of the pandemic and the situation we were in, the leaving service cancelled, this was the approach that was chosen. I'm not sure it's an approach that I would have advocated for. Uh, I suggested that if, if calculating grades had to be used, then there should be other metrics used as well. Um, but this is the approach that was taken and we are in the situation that we are in now. So we need to figure out how to resolve it. So first we need to see what the model is, understand how it differs from Scotland, England, Wales. The minister needs to prove that it will be fair and she cannot do so. But sure, it can't be fair if they're basing the res- your result on the school's performance over a number of years previous to it. Like you would, could be you could be a star student. That would be my suspicion as well. But I think the minister, as a first step, should publish the model uh, and justify her arguments to us because we're not dealing with transparency here. We're not dealing with clarity. Um, Dodds on holidays, isn't Everybody's gone away, Donica, right? It seems to be some of the issue, but I think there's an issue as well with the Department of Education. I think across the board, uh, across all the issues, it's a department that has not really proven fit to respond to the various challenges that the pandemic has thrown up. I think that's true in terms of leaving search. I think that's true in terms of reopening schools, school transport, various other issues. Uh, and I think that there is a failure there, even compared to other government departments, who I think have responded better. Um, so I think there is an absence of leadership, definitely. Is it too late now, do you think, at this stage? When, when are the results? They're quite soon, aren't they? The 7th of September. Um, I hope it's not too late, uh, but for it not to be too late, then things have to start now. So the Minister should be publishing in the next day or two the model, uh, and she should be coming before the Dáil uh, for the COVID committee to give um, opposition spokespersons and the public the chance to scrutinise this and to try and come up with alternatives. Maybe they, maybe they are scrambling already, having seen the fiasco and the U-turn in the UK, which has now led to all sorts of problems with college places and more problems for people trying to go to college next year when many of this year's will also having to go, will have to wait a year. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're, maybe they're already aware of this and scrambling to fix it. Well, look, I hope so, Neil, but like, I mean, we've had no indication of that. Uh, the Department of Education seems to be very difficult to get at the minute. And as I say, like, I mean, requests for the Minister to come before the COVID committee have so far fallen on deaf ears. So, yes, I hope that there are efforts underway to try and find some kind of solution to ensure fairness in the system. But if there are, then we have had no indication of it as yet. Okay, because young people have had a bad old time of it over the past six months, haven't they, with regards to, you know, lockdown, uh, not being at school, trying to learn remotely... Good God, imagine, how, how, how do you think sixth years for next year must be feeling, you know, with uh, yeah. going back into a school system where you've got all of these regulations and all of these restrictions and teachers and masks. I mean, their mental health must be really suffering. 
like I mean, I think the leaving circuit is challenging and very stressful and a difficult time in any year, not to mind against the context of a pandemic. And then you throw an issue such as this. Uh, I think it's intolerable. I think it's been grossly unfair. I hope that next year's leaving circuit don't face uh, such uncertainty and such stress. Um, but the least that these, the serious leaving circuit students deserve is fairness, regardless of who you are or where, you fr- where you're from. They deserve fairness. Because it's the rest of their lives. I don't have to tell you that. Of course it is. It's their career paths and it's something that will, you know, direct them for the rest of their lives. It's an important decision, you know, as to what course they do in college. And look, I mean, it's not just about third level. Like, I mean, everyone deserves the chance to get the best leaving search that they can get and to do whatever course or qualification. Um, But as I say, there is just as much a chance that people could end up failing who don't deserve to fail. Uh, as there is at the other end in terms of a talented student who doesn't get the grade that they deserve to get. And I think we should be concerned about both. So you're calling for the Minister to clarify and explain and answer the questions so that we don't have the same kind of chaos as they had in the UK? Publish the model, let's see where it differs, and if it's going to lead to the same problems as elsewhere, then it needs to be dropped. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call. Let's see what the coming days bring. Donna Colera, Sinn Féin. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. I'm just flagging it for you because maybe like me, you've been watching this unfold uh, over the water now. In fairness, uh, Northern Ireland broke ranks with uh, England much earlier and said, no, we're not having any of that mess and we're doing, we're doing the grading with regards to you know, the teacher's input and you guys can do whatever you want, sling your hook. Uh, but here's, here's an interesting one because I get accused of all sorts of things if the cat had kittens, etc., etc. So massive response to my conversation on air with Maureen. At one stage, Maureen and two others were in conversation together on the air and it got quite heated. It was all about masks. Uh, but it was the part of my conversation with Maureen that uh, upset her annoyed D. And she says, I'm just after listening to your conversation with Maureen uh, and I found your attitude towards her to be very condescending particularly relating to her comment when she said my body, my rights which referred to the abortion slogan I I also believe there is a comparison as it relates to mask wearing the reality which I think people conveniently forget is that an abortion 100% impacts a life when a woman decides to have an abortion the outcome is a loss of life the death of a child however we allow her to make that decision we allow her to make decisions for her body even though it's 100% resulting in a death population of ireland now is just under 5 million the number of known positive cases cases to date just over 27000 however the reality is that many more people in ireland contacted this virus prior to being it to being to it being understood or prior to when tests were available, 0.55 of the population of Ireland has contacted COVID. The number of people who have actually died is 1,774. That's 0.04% of the population, exclamation mark. Furthermore, more than 50% of those people who died had severe underlying conditions, i.e. 15% of those who died, for instance, had cancer. The average age of someone who dies from COVID uh, over the past uh, six months, 83. Life expectancy in Ireland, 82. Think about that statistic. Plus, 93% of all those who've contracted this virus have recovered. 0% of babies recover from an abortion. For you to laugh at Maureen's very valid point is laughing at the death of every unborn child aborted. The reality of the situation in Ireland is that the government and the media are driving a level of fear into the population about a virus 
that has a plus 93% recovery rate. Currently, Ireland is dealing with a cancer crisis. We're in the top five countries in the world for cancer. Cancer does not have a plus 93% survival rate. Think about this. But where is the fear within the population? Cancer screening is on hold, delayed, and not one person is taking to the streets about it. Finally, it is a sad day when a woman cannot come on air to voice her opinion without being verbally abused by her callers. This is nothing in, there, there was nothing in Maureen's opinion that implied that she was not a lady as was suggested by a gentleman on air. I think it's unacceptable for you to allow such bullying behaviour on air, says D. Well, I did pull him up on the term um, that uh, you know Maureen was not a lady because... Uh, you know, that's not acceptable. He had it said, but I did put. But to 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 bring abortion into it and to try and make out. No, I appreciate your email, dear. I really do. But to try and make out that I was laughing at the death of, as you put it, the death of babies. Well, I mean, that's just a stretch too far for even me. When she said, "My body, my rights," abortion did not come into my mind. Whether it came into Maureen's or not, I do not know. I said to her, "Yes, your body, your rights." But your body and your rights could infect the lives and the health of other people by not wearing masks. That's the part you're referring to. So I think it's, I just don't think it's fair for you to be bringing, um, you know, abortion, termination into it. And I certainly can tell you that I was not laughing uh, at terminations or abortions or the death of an unborn child. I hope you take that on board. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And in fairness to Maureen for coming on the air and having an opinion that probably doesn't agree with many people, you know, uh, and I do appreciate that. I always do. Um, and also, big response to it. I will come back to it because there's many, many emails and texts on it. So more on that for me in a little while. But back to the phone lines we go for now. Tom, good morning. Morning, uh, your granddad with underlying health conditions. So actually, yeah. you could be getting news today that yes. you need to restrict your movements again. Your thoughts? I'm. I don't know. I'm opening it because I mean, uh, it's my grandchildren that keeps me going. Like you know, I mean, like, at the start of the lockdown, I didn't see my grandchildren, and I thought they were underlying conditions that I didn't see for. Weeks upon ends, and uh, I live alone, like you know, and and I goes up to my grandkids every day, and I see my daughter every Saturday, like you know, and uh, and they keep me going, like and, and you know, and they 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 be out the window waiting for me to come up, and and my my little fellow, little Mikey, he's starting big school this 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 year, like you know, and he he speaks to me, but he's worried that he doesn't. He's afraid to go back to school, and he tells me why. He says, "Because he says if he's afraid to get sick, and he doesn't want me to get sick either." Like you know, so isn't he I'm, very clued in for a young lad? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, it's not fair on him, and, and it's not fair on the side of it. You know what I mean? And I don't know. You know, I, I got the news. The reason why I rang yesterday is because. Well, listen to your show every every day of the week without fail, like, you know, and, you. Uh, and there was a loss about the, the pandemic and things like that, but there was nothing really brought up about the grandparents and things like that, like, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to see if there was any feedback, but obviously yeah. when I was listening to the news this morning, I got, I got, I, got, I was disappointed for what I heard, like, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't know that it will be like way back in March, you know, it, it may not be that bad. It could be, it could be just a case that people with underlying health conditions, like for instance, you don't mind me mentioning your health condition, do you? 
Not at all, no. Because you have you have emphysema, so you you really have to be unbelievably careful with yeah, regards to your lungs. I, 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 I can't even go in town. I mean, I'm up and down the infection, and 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 the furthest I go is the Blackpool, and I walk just, and I keep my distance, and and just goes up to my daughter's house, my father, and and I'm in there, and I'm with the grandkids all day, you know. And my daughter's so good to me, like you know what I mean. She when I was in the lockdown, she done everything. She does, and she still does everything for me, like you know. I treat four beautiful daughters here, like one with underlying conditions, and and you know, I'd be lost without them as well. Like, but I know. wouldn't say. Fingers crossed. Now that we won't be going back into elderly people or people with underlying conditions having to cocoon where the family are out at the front gate looking in at you. I don't see that like. I mean, I'd imagine you could... I'm just guessing now. I imagine you could go to your daughter's house, you know, wear a mask and... That lady on the... on the... on on the... this morning said that the... That we're to expect that for us to cocoon and not to come outside the door and... And things like that, like, you know, I, I don't know what... what Didn't see that this morning now, to be honest with you. I just yeah. I just kind of thought that maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just wishful that's thinking. What, that, that's what she said anyway, like, you know what I mean? And that kind of set me back, like, you know what I mean? And I just... I'm thinking of other grandparents, and at the moment now, as I'm speaking to you, and looking across the road, and there's a grand... There's a granddad with his grandchild there sitting, standing at, at the bus stop waiting for the bus, like, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's so, you know... Just, just, you know, just, just, just mentally. You know, and all, all I have is only pictures. Then like, if something like this happens, like you know. Yeah, or the phone, or WhatsApp, or, yeah, or the phone. video I call. I use WhatsApp and you know, but like video app or whatever. Yeah, it's, still, it's not the same, thing, like you know. It's not the same, and. Uh, you know, and I you mean, probably, you probably, I don't know if it's going to be that bad, Tom. I really don't, regardless of what they said in Ireland AM. You know, yeah. you know maybe limiting your outdoors, you know, with regards to not, yeah, you no, know, I, like going to the park or going to a, a supermarket or, you know, mix. I can't, I can't go, I can't go anywhere in places like that. Like, you know, you stay, know, you I, might I, have to I, stay I, away from restaurants or, you know. I don't, I don't, I'm afraid because when they, after the last lockdown, when they re- lifted the restrictions, I, I went straight down and got my daughter with special needs. I took her down to uh, Port Ireland and there was a lot of people down there. That you'd, the, av- you'd need to avoid, like large public yeah, gatherings, you know, things and, like that. And the following day, they ended up in the hospital with pneumonia. You know, so that's why I'm 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 very cautious now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's uh, a kick it's in the teeth, bad. really, isn't it? It really is. It is, you know. it is. And it's, you know, I mean, to see uh, young people, like, you know, I mean, they have a mind of their own. And, but there's a lot of selfish people out there as well, like, you know what I mean? There's got no respect for people like us, like, you know. This is regarding all of the partying and the hanging out together and everything, the... yeah, like that, yeah. You know, it's annoying and frustrating because you know the, you know, well, I, I, I don't drink and I don't smoke, like you know. But I did, did you smoke? Like, you yeah. did. I did. I'm, I'm off for two years now in March, and uh, I'm off alcohol a long time. But I know what alcohol does to you, like you know what I mean. So, I mean, you don't care once you get a few drinks in you, like you know what I mean. So. Caution goes out the window, you see, that's the thing, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and uh, 
Might try and see if I can find that Ireland AM clip you're referring to because uh, we're getting yeah. a couple of calls here. One woman who says she's, I'm in my 70s. I watched Ireland AM this morning and the interviewers put the fear of God into the elderly, she says. so. Yeah, yeah, put the fear of God into me as well, actually. Because I don't see anywhere the word cocooning being mentioned. I yes, see uh, limit yes. your time outdoors, stay away no. from big gatherings. Doesn't no, say anything this, about not being able to go over and visit her no, peers. No, this lady was saying that she said that we were to cocoon and not to come outside the door. She was wearing a blue top anyway. That's all I can remember. All right, well, uh, the, lads, the, lads, the lads will work on that anyway. But come here, yeah. like, don't, um, you know... Whatever. I wasn't the only one who's seen it, like, as you said, like, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just that uh, I just wanted to, to, to know, like, because... It's upsetting. It's depressing. It's yeah, here we go the again. Thoughts of, the thoughts of other grandparents as well, like and people with underlying conditions, like you know what I mean. So you would have spent a fair old bit of time on your own. Yeah, I, I mean, when I I cocooned in February last last February, and, did you, really? you know, I did. Yeah, I went straight in because I had to because I was because of my conditions, like you know what I mean. So what, you didn't go out at all for for months and months. No, my daughter came up with me every day with my shopping and, you know, and sat in the wall outside and, you know, and kept up distance and things like that. And without that, that's that's my daughter who done everything for me and my other daughters as well. Like, you know, they're, they're very good to me. Like, you know, they come up and they sit in the wall. But and you're worried that we'll be back to all of that, are you? That they'll be bringing yeah, your food that, and sitting that. at the wall? Yeah, that lady does said that this morning. Yeah, that they were to cocoon and were not to come outside the door, and and, right. that, and that's the reason why I rang yesterday to see if I could get any any update on that. And when I heard that this morning, then you know, I was going to send to myself. Is there any point of going on the Well, Nifford have made their recommendations. Ministers meet today to talk them through. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about. Uh, recommendations mm-hmm. regarding uh, the amount of people that can gather in a house, the amount of people that yeah. can gather in a back garden, uh, mm-hmm. elderly people, people with vulnerable conditions, limiting their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also um, probably going to make some recommendations on um, nursing homes. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but like mm-hmm. I, I didn't think we, were, I didn't think we were back to the elderly cocooning. To be honest with you, that comes yeah. as news to me. Yeah, it was mentioned this morning. I know that. I'm going to I'm 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 check that out. And they're also going to be discussing today issues involving the reopening and the schedule of schools and stuff. Yeah. Anne, who's in her 70s, that. called to say that some elderly people will now die of loneliness. She lives yeah. alone and she says, That's it's very upsetting listening to you, Tom, she says. And it's, I mean, like if this is going to happen and as soon as I get off the phone with you, you know, I'm going to have my breakfast and jump in for the show and I'm going to strip. I'm going to straight up to my grandchildren and spend spending quality time with them and try and get to see my my daughter with special needs as well, like you know. All right, Pat. All right. Before all, right. all this happens, like, all right. you know, I just wanted to see what our other grandparents had to say about. Okay, this, well, like, let's let's know. discuss it with other elderly people or grandparents or people with underlying mm-hmm. conditions. The prop the proposition of having to cocoon again. Look after yourself, Tom. Thank, and I do appreciate you coming on air. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, and thank you very Cheers. much. Cheers. Mind yourself. Take care. Pick up the phone, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868104106. Richie says, a reference to my email about yesterday's conversation with Maureen and the phrase, my body, my choice. Hi, Neil. I accept that you didn't think of abortion when you heard her use the phrase, my body, my choice. But with all due respect, you must have been the only person who didn't. And the comparison she made 
is apt, says Richie. Well, I'm being honest with you. Um, I did not in any way connect what she was saying with abortion or terminations of pregnancies or the abortion uh, re- referendum um, or anything like that. I just didn't. I mean, if, if I did it, if it came into my head, I probably would have mentioned it. In fact, I probably would have said to her, why are you using a phrase like that? In what way is it related to termination? So I didn't really, to be honest with you. I'm just holding my hand up and saying I didn't. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, I got about maybe three and a half minutes. You wanted to pick up on uh, Maureen's conversation yesterday saying that she will yeah, not I wear just, masks. I, just, I was listening to it yesterday. I was just kind of disappointed, to be honest with you, because I thought maybe you should have had more and maybe one or two other callers on to, you know, balance the argument. I did feel that she was being ganged up on on, on the air. Um, she was making a very valid point. I know a couple of the statements she made maybe were a little bit OTT, but she was trying to make a valid point. And I think fundamentally, like, you know, the, a couple of the callers come on trying to attack her saying, it's the law, it's the law. Laws are man-made at the end of the day. And even when a law is a law, it's questionable as to its validity. Like, is it valid? Is it right? Why, how did it come about? Was it rushed through? Like, the laws are the, the regulations that are being uh, created. Are oh, listen, I'm with you there, pal. But, I mean, I don't think yeah. we can pick and choose them, you see. That's the thing. No, you can't pick and choose them. But, you know, she, she had a valid point. Like, if you think about everything that's going on, there are more people going to die as a result of the restrictions in this country because of the strain that's going to put on the health services, the backlog of cancer patients and so on. That's just one, uh, you know, type of patient. There's many various types of patients out there that are suffering and that cannot get the care that they need. And all because the government stand there and may, more or less pretend to the country that isn't it just, as, isn't it, you know, isn't it a really good thing that we're doing this to say it's just one life? No, it's not. It's not good enough because one life being saved as a result of the side effects of COVID-19 Unfortunately, um, you know, gets outweighed by the, the, the value of lives of thousands of people who need immediate care or need cancer patient care or whatever it may be. So really, you know... That, listen, that point isn't that. lost on me personally. I have made that point know, and referred really, to that many times in the past. There are 60,000 on a waiting list for hospitals in Cork now at this stage. Just down in Cork, yes, right, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but and, I mean, the point that I tried to make with her over and over again is it won't do any harm where the damn thing. Yeah, that's that's a fair point to make. But equally, there's no scientific basis whatsoever out there as to the uh, the, the 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 importance of the mask. Like, no one has actually scientifically proven that the mask is going to prevent the spread of COVID. The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie. Great day today. Uh, make the most of it. And a great day as well for Rita Sexton, who celebrates her 90th birthday today. Oh, yesterday. My apologies. I didn't see it yesterday, but happy belated birthday, Rita. I listens every day, loves the show. I've been listening for years. And uh, I want to tell you, Rita, that uh, your 16 children between them and your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, there's over 100 of them. Um, and they love you so, so much. So happy 90th birthday. Hope you had a great day yesterday and you enjoy a bit of sunshine today. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. An interesting one from Laura who says, I met a friend for lunch on Saturday afternoon. I had booked a table at a cafe outside the city three days in advance to ensure that I would get a table for two, leaving my contact details, etc., as you do. When I arrived, there was a temperature check, hand sanitizer, and a book to log your details. It was left open to the public for everyone to read. 
contrary, I must say, to the recommendations by the Data Protection Commissioner. You're right there, actually. They see your name, address and phone number and stuff in it. Anyway, the table that had been allocated for my friend and I was a high table. So I asked if we could be located to a lower table. When I sat down at the lower table, it was covered in crumbs and liquid spillages from the previous customers. And it had not been wiped down. As I waited for a waitress to come and clean it for me, I noticed that while most of the tables in this section of the cafe were separated by tall plants, there was a table for two directly behind me. And if anyone sat at it, we would have been literally back to back. At that moment, a woman came over with her tray to sit at the table. And I had to politely ask her if she would find somewhere else to sit. As if she sat there, we would not be able to socially distance. When I found a waitress to clean down my table, I asked if she could put a sign on the table behind me so no one else would try to sit at it. She said they had no such signs, so I asked her to remove the chairs. She removed one chair and cleaned down my table. Within a few minutes, a second woman came and tried to sit at the table, and I had to ask her to please find somewhere else to sit. And then a third woman came shortly after her and also attempted to sit at the table. At this stage, I can tell you I was a bit embarrassed, as it was very awkward asking people not to sit at a table. But the best was yet to come. A waitress came down carrying food and a drink, and I asked her if she was going to put someone at the table behind me, and she replied, Oh no, just me. I again had to explain that we could not socially distance if she sat at the table. She did find somewhere else to sit, but it was clear she wasn't happy with me by the look on her face. Anyway, when my friend arrived, we went up to order our food, and by the time we came back to our table, a woman had sat at the table behind me and was halfway through our coffee and cake. So I was just too embarrassed at this stage to ask her to move. I'm probably exhausted from it as well. I must say I felt very let down by the management of the cafe, as I do not think it could should have been my responsibility to be constantly asking people to socially distance. I had followed the recommendations by booking a table, wearing a mask on entry, leaving my contact details, sanitizing my hands, but the cafe did not implement the recommendations on social distancing, making me feel unsafe, and as a result, I will not be returning to the cafe in the future. All the best, says Laura. <laughs> the sneaking suspicions that they'll be fairly happy with you not going back as well. But in fairness here, you stuck to your guns. I mean, you're a much braver person than I would ever be. You know, I think there's a lot of courage involved in actually, you know, piping up and, you know, making in the nicest possible way your opinions, your thoughts and your worries. I guess there always will be uh, some restaurants and some cafes, as I said earlier on this morning, asleep at the wheel and just lackadaisically walking through this. Um, maybe your interventions might make a difference going forward. But anyway, thanks for the contribution. Tough now going out and trying to keep your distance, isn't it? I mean, I'd be a kind of a fairly uh, lax kind of a geezer at the best of times, but there are times, there are times when tables are kind of close to me and I do kind of do a, do a bit of a double take, but I would never say anything. I'm way too much of a coward for that. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, two weeks ahead of the school's reschedule, this is the Independent Online. Health chiefs are warning that vulnerable people will need to limit the time they spend outdoors. The rise in cases over the past two weeks is having a knock-on effect on the numbers being treated for the virus in a hospital. And they're saying and as a result, older people will be asked to restrict their movement, avoid congregated settings under new advice from the public health experts. Um, they're recommending six people should be permitted in a home. Uh, from no more than three separate houses, six people from no more than three separate houses, 
and that that's indoors. And then outdoors, the home gatherings should be reduced uh, to 15 people. So, so far, I'm not seeing anything saying cocooning, which is a completely different level again, uh, because limiting your movements as an elderly person or indeed somebody who has uh, underlying health conditions should allow you to visit a, a, a son or a daughter's home or a relative's with the mask and, you know, keeping your distance. Cocooning did not allow for any of that. So we'll have to wait and see what they come up with a little later on on that one. Normally don't write into radio shows, but I happen to hear some of your programme. Yesterday was a fiery programme, all right, for sure. The sheer stubbornness and the selfishness of that caller Maureen really touched a raw nerve with me. Presently, I'm living at home with my parents after having been working abroad for the last year. My mother, thankfully, is in good health, but my father has several underlying health issues. And as a result, even before the national lockdown came into effect earlier this year, I effectively cocooned myself too. I was barely leaving the house. Even with restrictions easing, I still limit myself. I don't go on public transport. I don't accept offers of lifts from friends or go to coffee shops or anything like that. I haven't been in a vehicle other than my own car, which I am not qualified to drive unaccompanied on a learner permit. I only go in every few days to run the engine for a while, since early March. I haven't been more than six to seven kilometres from home since February. My only outlet at present is going for walks locally and on my own. It might sound excessive, but precautions are very difficult to follow when a large proportion of people no longer seem to care about social distancing. A bit like Laura was saying in her email a few minutes ago. Anyway, one, regular encou- one regularly encounters people walking three or four abreast along a footpath or people on bicycles or motorised scooters on a footpath, or people just stopping uh, to have a chat, blocking the way for others passing through. The main problem, as I see it, is that we as a population aren't all doing our bit. I shouldn't have to be the one to work myself into a state of hyper-alertness. Others should be aware of people too, and the need to maintain distancing. People like Maureen, and especially these anonymous people who put crackpot conspiracy theory posters up around the town, are dangerous in so much as they empower other people to be selfish and not cooperate with the efforts to contain this pandemic. I believe in the freedom of speech, so people shouldn't be exempt from the airways, but this, because of this, I grit my teeth and I accept this as a necessary evil if we're to have a fair society as possible. I've had so many sacrifices made willingly, yet other selfishly, selfish, selfishness threatens to undermine any progress made. I'm deliberately writing this in a neutral a voice as possible, as the pandemic seems to be bringing out the worst in so many people. I recognise that it gets me hot and bothered too, and in a state of mind that does me or others no good at all. It is better to discuss differences of opinion calmly and rationally. The sheer selfishness of many is something I was always aware of, yet only now is it being thrown uh, into such sharp relief. Writing this email because you're a person with reach and influence, I would hope that, while obviously allowing people to express their opinions as you do, no matter how inane, you would continue to use your influence as a calming presence in these difficult times. The way things are going, we may get through this pan- the pandemic only to find ourselves divided and bitter, and nobody wins then. A Cork City resident. By email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. You know, was, thank you for that. You know, I was mentioned earlier on, um, the waiting lists now in Cork hospitals, and if you multiply it up nationally, you're probably talking about hundreds of thousands. But we're looking at tens of thousands on Leaside. 60,000, the echo says, waiting on uh, appointments. Um, like 60,000 people are waiting lists for hospital appointments in Cork. 15,000 of them have been waiting now for more than 18 months 
The new data shows um, a very worrying trend with in the CUH alone, 28,500 people awaiting appointments for all sorts of different treatments and consultations. That's why I wanted to talk to Tara, who got in touch with me yesterday and joins me by phone. Tara, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. And, um, you know, you, you did get in touch and you, were, you, you went into quite an amount of detail of how you're struggling um, yeah. with, with, with regards to your own, I think you have a diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, yep. and, and a, a thing called a schizoaffective disorder and borderline yep. personality disorders. Boy, you've exactly. got you've got a lot of it going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing about it, but it, it it must make life very difficult. It does. Yeah. Um, maybe I should explain a bit about what they are. Yeah. I no, I mean, I, I understand that you're struggling trying to get help and trying to get to see yeah. people with the last six months. But just let's talk through your life first. Okay. So. Um, so I'm 23 years old. Um, I moved back home just before the start of the pandemic to Cork. Had been living in Galway for a while. Um, I have three different diagnoses. Um, people often think you can only have one, I think. But um, I, I have three anyway. And they would be OCD, so based on obsessions and compulsions, and it's an anxiety disorder. Um, borderline personality disorder, which can be um, prevalent. It, it can show itself in nine different traits like extreme emotions, paranoia um, feeling like there's a void inside you like an emptiness, it can be self-destructive behaviour, that kind of thing and then schizoaffective disorder it's like, almost like combination between schizophrenia and bipolar so And how does that, not- manifest, does that manifest itself differently to the borderline personality? Yes, it does. And a lot of people are under the impression that kind of schizoaffective schizophrenia is split personality, whereas actually it's more of a split from reality. So you can get, you know, strange thoughts or hallucinations or something like that, but it's not having voices. a whole other Voices? Yeah. Do you get voices? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, people can get voices and I have had them in the past. Saying what? Well, it, it it depends. Like sometimes it can just be, say, a kind of a chatter in the background. I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten the kind of the kind of ones that are telling you to do things are the very prominent ones. So they wouldn't be quite what I have. Mine would be more delusions, like that maybe people are out to get me or something. Okay, okay, that, that yeah. paranoia. Yeah. yeah. And the OCD, how does that affect your yeah. daily life? So it's obsessions and compulsions. So it is, say if I have an intrusive thought, that can be an obsession or a compulsion, or you can get an urge like to do something, and it's usually something kind of bizarre. So um, you, you, you often um, have these rituals to kind of counteract the obsessions and compulsions. So if like, I don't do this, I always thought it was, if I don't do this, something else will happen. I need to do yes, this because yes. my family will die. Kind of. Yeah. And it usually doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not rooted in reality either. But um, it, it's very distressing for people. And I found it very distressing. Um, it, almost, it, it almost makes you like a prisoner, doesn't it? Yeah. I've often felt like that. Yeah. So do you have particular uh, obsessive compulsive disorders that you do uh, and it it involves the repetition of those 
um, yes. compulsions so, over and over again? Um, well, it's mostly under control now because I've had it for years and years. So um, one thing that still happens now is that I, I have this need for balance. So say if I touch something with my left hand, I need to touch it with my right hand too, like say it's a door handle or a pen or something. And not just once, but numerous times. Yeah. That's so upsetting, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it can be, yeah. yeah. And your, your parents were, was this at a young age? Were your parents aware of this? So my parents were aware that there was kind of something up from a young age um, because I had some strange behaviours and like, you know, if I shouted when I was younger, I would actually scare myself. The sound of my own voice would scare myself and just things like that. So they were thinking, you know, maybe I had autism, maybe I had something. So, and, 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 you know, when you talk about these thoughts or these compulsions, you've never hurt yes. yourself, have you? Well, I have, yes. It's, it's usually part and parcel with these things, you know. It's, you can resist for so long, but it's very difficult. And were you getting help? Were you getting treatment? Were you getting, um, did you have, uh, like, for instance, somebody within the medical profession, like a psychiatrist or something like that? So that didn't happen until I was 16. And that was when my um, symptoms were really kind of out of control and really distressing. I think it kind of coincided with puberty or something that um, that was when the onset really happened. So that was at 16? Yeah. Were you, and were you medicated or what happened? I was medicated, yes. And I went into hospital for eight weeks initially um, when I was nearly 17. Um, and then a few months later, I went back for five weeks. Um, and that was, that was a very difficult time because I still have like a loss of memory of that time. Um just with everything going on. And my parents found it extremely difficult because, you know, they only saw me on Sundays and I would be very distressed whenever they saw me. I know. And, you know, it's just not nice to see your child like that. And and reminding us, you're 23 now, of course. So Yeah, But has anybody told you and sat you down and told you the reasons why this happened? No, I, I don't know. I think it's just... It is what it is, you know. I could go into, like, why is this happening to me and everything, but it's not going to solve anything. So there was no issues or no triggers or no events or no anything? No triggers, it's no, your, nothing. It, it's your wiring, is it? Yes. They try to think, oh, you know, was it a past event or a trauma or something? But no, they, they went through my whole childhood and there was nothing there. And is each of the three of them as bad as the others, or is there one particularly one? Is it the OCD, schizophrenia, the borderline? Which one? So it feels like when I get one under control, another kind of rears its head of it. And where are you at now? Do you have compulsions now? Repetitive ones? No, not really. With My, my OCD is very much under control. Hmm. Um, schizoaffective is under control too. It would be, at the moment, I think um, it would be my borderline. That will be at the forefront, and maybe the past few months, schizoaffective will kind of have come up as well. So all of this COVID coronavirus yes. in the last six months has been hell for you. Yes, it really has been. How has it yeah. impacted on you? So my sleep schedule has been all over the place. Um, that's the main thing, which obviously impacts on your mental health as well. Your what schedule? My sleep schedule. Did you say sleep? Yes, sleep. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Um, and um, yeah, um, and I, I get very restless as well. Like I'd be walking around my room a lot in the middle of the night, for example. Um, and and your, fo- uh, your folks, you're at home with your folks now, so they, they obviously have to, that must, they must find that upsetting, worrying. Well, I think they're used to it, but yeah, it, w- it would be quite upsetting. But usually, you know, if they're all asleep and I could have maybe regularly go 24 hours without any sleep and then, you know. Do you um, crash then for a long period of time? Yeah, I do. And it really affects my mood as well. And when you moved back, you you mm-hmm. had added problems in the sense that you came back to Cork, but all of your medical histories in Galway, your psychiatrist is in Galway, and then you yes. struggled to get help, was it? Yeah. Um, so there was a waiting list for all the GPs, all the local GPs. Luckily, eventually, I managed to get um, back on the list of my, chi- my child GP. Um, so with the GP as well, um, obviously, I needed that to get a prescription. So I was running out of medication. So what I was doing was taking it every second day Yes. to try and stave off the, you know, the whole cold turkey effect. Yeah. What were you yeah. on? Do you mind me asking or what are you on? Um, I'm on an antipsychotic and an antidepressant. So that, keep you, does, that keeps you level, does it? Keeps me level, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're not on it, then you have these thoughts of, I, I need to get up in the middle of the night and book, and book a flight and move to Argentina, you said. Things like that. Well, actually, Delusional things like that. Yes, yeah. That, that was exactly what happened one night. Um, but as well, I went to my local pharmacy to try and sort out the issue. Um, because obviously I was running out of medication. I was taking it every second day. It wasn't good for me. Um, so what happened then was I was told, oh, get your GP in Galway, you know, post down the prescription. Um, so I did that. And then I went back the next day and they said, oh, we haven't got it. You should have faxed it. Mm. I was like, okay, I'll try to get a fax. Mm. Um, but at the meantime, I, I had run out of medication at this point. And um, they were telling me, maybe you should drive up to Galway. Now, I, I actually can't drive. So that would involve a three or four hour um, bus journey pre-COVID at the moment. It's Just to get a prescription. Just to get a prescription. Yeah. Five hours each way. That's what they suggested. And you need your meds. I need them. Yeah, they're very important. Keep you, you know? safe. To keep me safe. Exactly. Yeah. Did you get them in the end? Um, how I got them was my, my old GP um, took me back on and I got my prescription through him. And what about support then? Because I'm, I'm thinking your story actually could be replicated by many people during COVID-19. Who's, I think so. You know, n- you know, I'm, not, I'm not blaming the, 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 the medical profession in this regard, but yeah. many doors were closed to people. They really were. And actually, one thing I was told to do as well was um, go to A&E for my prescription. A local, I rang the local psychiatric ward explaining them what had happened. And they told me, you know, maybe you should go to A&E just to get your prescription. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, I, I'm sure they have better things to do than write prescriptions, you know, routine ones. 
Oh, it's very it's very sad, isn't it? It's very worrying that COVID has had this impact, not just on people's lives regarding the virus, but other people who need help, need medication. And that, you know, I mentioned 30,000 people on Leaside waiting on 60,000. Yeah, exactly. Forgive me, 60,000. These are all non these are all non COVID issues, you know? Yeah. Like life still continues on whether COVID is here or not and we need to look after everybody. And how do you think your future will be? Will you do you think that you will have you got a hold of it now? Do you think that, you know, things will improve? Have you developed coping skills? Where are you at with the rest of your life in this? So with the rest of my life, um, like future plans have been put on hold and it's purely been about getting through each day. Um, as well, like the support has actually gotten worse in the last few months. So I'm really been feeling on my own with this. I know, I know. So like, for example, um, I had my my appointment that I said in the article that I wrote on Spun Out that I was going to have at the end of the month. And that was 15 minutes. I was due a review. Um, you had a 15 minute, you were on the clock, is it? 15 minutes, yeah. I looked at it, it was it was possibly a little bit less. Um, so there was that and um my review anyway was meant to be in July, but they forgot about it. So I was an hour and a half waiting by the phone. Um I rang them twice, left a voicemail, got up and just left the room for a minute, came back, missed call from a private number, rang back, no answer. So then the secretary rang me the next day and said, oh, we're sorry about that. We can reschedule you for October. Pity you missed that call. Hmm? Pity you missed that call. I was there for an hour and a half sitting by the phone. I know, no, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying. I know, I know. I'm just getting frustrated about them, you know. So so it's back to October. And what will happen then in October? I really don't know because they even sent me out a letter saying, oh, you were unable to attend your appointment and everything. And I tried to, you know, fix the wording in this, but I haven't gotten a response yet. So somebody with OCD, schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder, this is not good. No. To be hearing things like that. So I've had a total of 15 minutes of psychiatric support for this entire year so far. And as, as you... Go on in life and, you know, do you yeah. work or you, do you study or, or where are you at with that? At the moment, I don't work. I had been studying part-time in NUIG in Galway, but um, I stopped it ju- just around the time of the pandemic. There was a lot going on. Yeah. And will you have to disclose these conditions when you look for work or, or things like that, I wonder? See, that's the thing. I don't have to disclose, but if somebody asks me, say, you know, there's a gap in your CV, what was happening? Like, if you were out of work with a bad back, you can just say, I had a bad back. You can't exactly go and say, oh, I had a mental breakdown, you know? Yeah, I mean, just wondering how, if you were to be absolutely honest with somebody interviewing you or you're going through the process of a job and you said, well, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, I have psychoactive disorder and I have borderline personality disorder. What are the chances of you getting a job? Actually, I think they're very low because studies from the UK have shown that 25% of people with, for example, schizophrenia recover completely. No further issues. Twenty five percent recover and you know they're they only have occasional relapses. That's at least fifty people that would be able to work. Yeah. And in fact only thirteen percent are working. You see, there probably are people in the workplace and walking around amongst us. Who knows? Well, yeah. I could be included in them. I don't know. 
who could also have these labels put upon them if they had gone to visit somebody who gave them the label, but they don't have these labels. Exactly. And I noticed as well, when I was attending my, my other appointment, the 15-minute appointment, um, that the nurses and the staff and everyone were very anxious and they were exhibiting some behaviours that I would have thought they're quite OCD, you know? Maybe it's just to do with the conditions they're working under, you know? I think so, yeah. But as well, you know, say, for example, if I showed those symptoms, it would be classed as that's part of your disorder. Yeah, because that's what you but, are. But, you know, if yeah. someone in a position of authority shows it, it's not considered the same in the same way. And do you look towards the rest of your life and what you would like to do with it? Yeah, well, like, um, part of my borderline is that your sense of self can shift. So what you want to do as a job, I find that very difficult to figure out. So at the moment, I'm working, I'm going to do just a secretarial course and, you know, just get into the world of work to start off with and um, work on what I want to do afterwards. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good kickoff, yeah. Yeah, something to do, yeah. yeah. Ideally, one would want to follow one's passion. I hope that happens for you. Thank you. And do stay in touch, all right? Thanks for sharing, because I'm sure there are others can relate much. to maybe not your um, you know, OCD or schizophrenia, but to their, maybe they will. I'm happy to talk to them. Yeah. But it's good to share because, you know, there are an awful lot of issues going on that are non-COVID related that are impacting on people's yeah, lives and yours. I'm hoping I might encourage other people to talk about their things. Well, it's lovely talking to you about yours. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Bye. Text 0868 if you have a story to share. Like Tara, get in touch with me, Neil, at uh, redfm.ie. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Very upset granddad on the air this morning um, thinking that uh, we're going back into cocooning and he has a very close and loving relationship with his grandchildren. He's just totally and utterly depressed. He's an emphysema sufferer with the prospect of going back to the events of March. I'm not so sure it will be that way. I'm not so sure it'll be that bad, but there certainly will be changes and we'll have to see what the day brings in that regard. Ed, good morning. How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? You're struggling yourself, are you? Uh, I'm struggling over over the basically over the COVID nineteen. Like uh, I was in college in uh, I'm not going to say which college, like, but I was in college and I was in college from I was getting up every morning at seven o'clock and I was going from seven o'clock going into going into college for eight and doing my assignments going in from college then from nine. And then from nine, finishing half four every day. And I was a social drinker at that, that stage. I you were a what? A social drinker? A social drinker, going out every Thursday, as every college student does, like. Right. And I was, after that then, after everything was flying, I used to go to the gym then after that. I used to go to the gym and I used to come home and go to sleep. Well, I was asleep every night at about half ten. I was calm. And after the COVID-19, everywhere, everything, everything went from... Rock bottom to. Well, you were bottom. you went from you were flying. You were having a great life. I went from one hundred percent to zero. If I, you know what I mean, like, and uh, then me and my mother were clashing over the smallest things, and uh, like I had a lot of plans as well. Like I, I really had a lot of plans, like, and my drinking then like went out of control after that, like, and uh, my my mother eventually just said had had enough of me because I. Uh, 
I had a couple of I had a couple of drinks at the house, but she said that she was leaving. But uh, I uh, I recently what I wanted to come on the phone for is because I got admitted into the, the mental health unit on Saturday morning, and like what, I, why? I, I, why? I, I, I tried to I tried to I tried to kill myself three times in the last three weeks, and uh, I know it's sad now for me to say like, but. Uh, it's the truth, like, and I, I said that to him yesterday. I said, look, they didn't even have a, give me, didn't even give me a jumper to go out on. I said, I goes, I'm refusing to leave. I goes, like, I goes, I goes, can you do anything for me? I goes, you, you kept me here for two days. The medication they were giving me up there, it was only giving me the worst dreams ever. The doctors that I was talking to yesterday... They weren't very nice, being honest. I okay, well, just let me let me just say that I don't want any names because doctors have a I, tough job to do I, without I, calling I, them out on air. I wasn't. Were you were you in the Mercy or were you in um in the CUH? Okay. Yeah. Okay. How and, long uh, were you, how long were you there? Uh, Forty-eight hours. Okay, and they medicated you, and uh, you got to I sit down. Took, I I only I only took the medication once because uh, they gave me the very bad nightmares. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, d- uh, but did they talk? Did you get to talk with anybody, like a psychoanalyst or a psychiatrist? I was, or? I was talking to the psychiatrist yesterday, and they said uh, I told them no that I, I I didn't mention that I'm going to uh, I'm going to rehab on the 21st of September, and they were saying to me, I'm not, Do you expect us to keep you here till the 21st? And I was like, No, I don't expect you to keep me here until the 21st. I want, I just want you uh, the week just to sort my head out, like. I goes, what about if I leave here if I, uh, and something happens to me? And they turned around to me and they goes, that's your own business. And I, I just, I'm being honest, I went, into, I went into my room, I collected my stuff. I rang one of my friends' mums and I just broke down crying. I broke down crying. I goes, then I, I goes and then I said to them, look, what, what about if I refuse to leave? They goes, they call the guards on me. I rang Peter House when I was up there and I put, I went to the uh, I, I was talking to Peter House and they said that's their duty for them to help you if you have suicidal, suicidal thoughts. And I put them on to, I went to, the, I goes to the doctor, uh, Peter House wants to talk to you. And she goes, uh, I, I don't want to talk to Peter House. And I rang, even rang Thomas Gould yesterday and he said he'd ring uh, the COH, but he never got back on to me. And I left a message for Donico Callan as well. Okay, Donico Lira. So you spent Donico 48 Lira, yeah. hours in the CUH. Incidentally, yeah. the nurses and the staff were great. You're acknowledging that. Yeah. Um, you say if you hadn't gone in there or got in there, you would have done something silly. You went in after three suicide attempts in as many weeks. Uh, yeah. You wanted to stay for a week or at least another couple of days even 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 if it was two weeks i would have, i would have been delighted like like there was people in there and they were begging to get out and i was crying because i was getting out did, so, did somebody again i don't want any names but did somebody say yeah. to you this isn't a hotel yeah actually it those is. words those words this is not a hotel and do you mind me asking, for I need to ask, did you behave? Was there any trouble when you were in there? No, oh, there was no trouble. Not so, not one bit of trouble when okay. I was up there. All right. So was that, that you came out yesterday. Incidentally, it was a horrible day yesterday. Uh, that's what I mean. And I didn't even have a jumper on my back yesterday. I didn't even have a jumper when they left. And they, they, they gave me my laces and it was, they didn't even, put, didn't even give me a chance to put my laces on. Do they and take then, your laces from you? They do. They took, they took my laces when I went up there. Yeah. 
So you, got, was, uh, you sat down, put the laces back in your shoe, surely? Yeah, when I was in the taxi, yeah. Well, why didn't you put the laces in there? They didn't give me the time. They, they didn't even, the doctor who I was talking to yesterday, I'm not going to give any names, but she, was, uh, she wasn't very nice born, uh, woman. She, uh, she, she didn't even say good luck to me or, you know, as if I was a doctor and someone was saying all that stuff to me. So I'm after losing my father, my best friend and my uncle all in the space of, it happened July, uh, July the 13th, uh, two years ago, July gone. And my uncle was the 30th, and the 30th of September, and my best friend was two days later. And on the 20th, I'm so sorry to hear that, but things were going so well with the college and the assignments, and you were hitting the gym at four o'clock, and you were going to bed bait at 10, yeah. Yeah, everything was. Everything was perfect. Then COVID came along, and everything just went from hero to zero. And the 21st of September, we'll see you going to rehab where? In the Brory in Limerick. Okay, okay. And yeah. how have you been coping? How are you today? I'm not feeling the best, being honest. Like, if it wasn't for my friend nowhere keeping me in last night, because uh, it was a horrible night last night as well, like, uh, I don't know what I would have done myself, like, being honest. Like, um, I, was, I'm, I know I'm suffering through depression, like, and I told them up there as well that I was having the scariest nightmares of my life. Like, I even refused to take the medication on my last night. Because over the nightmare I had the day before, like I'm not going to get into the details because it'll probably frighten you. The, the nightmare that I had, like, were they very bad? But, uh, yeah, it was very bad. But but the thing is, uh, like I've I've been I've been out in the streets for the last two months, and I actually been I I wouldn't go around like by the likes of uh, I saw the dark side of Cork City. Being honest, like uh, I uh, got nearly got stabbed Wednesday. For my phone that was actually dead. Uh, a fella thought it was, he chased me with a knife and uh, and then he got knocked down by the back of the Simon by Tequila Jack. And uh, if, I was, if I wasn't as fit, of, fit as I was or I was intoxicated, I'd say he would, uh, I don't think I'd be talking to you right now and that's the God's honest truth. You would have been stabbed. I, yeah, he ch- but then I looked back when he fell and he gave a, do you know, a finger to the throat sign. As to say, like, the next time I see you, you're dead, like, you know. And were you trying to get into Simon for a bed for the night, is it? No, I was only passing. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. He just said to me, he saw me on my phone, but I was only trying to turn on my phone. And he was... Uh, so where, were you, where have you been sleeping the last few weeks? I've been bouncing around from houses to... I stayed in the Simon twice, I think, and being honest, after staying there, I'd never even go back there ever again. Why? Why? Because it's... Um, it's not a nice place, Neil, and I'm not. I'm not the kind of person that's into all that them sort of drugs. I'm not into. It's. I'm. I'm not. I'm not down, and I'm anything like. It's, it's sad to see some of them like, but I saw some bad things and scary things for someone that my age shouldn't see like. Okay. Do you mind? How old are you, Ed? I'm 26. Okay, but it's. Uh, you're not using uh, apart from alcohol. Uh, no, uh, but I uh, push. Prescription medication as well. Uh, addiction quantities, is it? Uh, like, like volume. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it sounds as if, but the case that you're you're outlining to me has a distinct lack of compassion. You know. 
what do you mean by that? I mean, like, from, the, from the point of view of uh, the psychiatric unit at the CUH, they didn't show as much compassion as perhaps one would expect. Kindness. Uh, being honest, the way they were talking to me yesterday, they were uh, like, when I was on the phone to Peter House, well, as I, I might have mentioned this, but when I said to the doctor, I goes, Peter House, want to talk to you? Because Peter House said, it's their duty, if you are feeling suicidal, it's their duty to keep you in. And I went to the doctor, I said, uh, uh, I'll put you on to the nurse there now. And uh, she goes, I don't want to talk to uh, uh, Peter House. And I'm not a nurse at all. I'm a doctor. And I was just like, I was just, I just wanted to get out of there as soon as, you know, they were just saying that to me. They were trying to say, oh yeah, you can, you can queue up by the, the Simon. And I goes, yeah, I'm going to queue up by the Simon. And I nearly got stabbed outside there last Wednesday. Is it that, the, goes, is it that they need to move people along as fast as possible because others need the beds or need the units? But I told them all my story. I told them that I was suffering through depression. I told them if I left the place today, I don't know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. And if I wasn't my friend taking me in last night, I don't know what would happen to me. It's interesting um, because Brenda's just chatting with the chap. I don't believe he's going to come on the air, but he said everything that uh, Ed is saying on air about mental health services is true. He says, I was a, yeah. a patient in a particular mental health unit a few times. On one occasion, I tried to hang myself twice during a stay. Uh, they actually tried to discharge me. I told them that I'd throw myself in the river if they did, and they replied, that's your choice if you do so. That's exactly it, I mean, I find, that in, I find that hard to believe, to be honest. No, but that's exactly what they said to me yesterday. Goes, if I come out of here, because it was a horrible day when they left me, when they discharged me yesterday. And they didn't even give me a time to put on my laces. So the taxi was there. I had to put on the laces inside the taxi. And uh, when I said it to him, I goes, what about if I do anything when I leave here? I goes, I'm suicidal. Like, I goes, I'm, I'm suffering from superior dep- depression, anxiety. I told them I was paranoid even inside the place. I goes, would you even be able to keep me for another night? Because it was so bad yesterday. Just another night, yeah. I know. Just another night. And they said, no. Just another night because they said it's so bad and I'll have nowhere to go. They goes, you can go either go to the Vincent or the Simon. And I goes, look, being honest, I wouldn't go to the Vincent because the amount of drugs that I, I have friends that went in there, they came in. I as, just thought I would, I mean, I don't know the arrangements with regards to a time frame, but I would have thought that a week wouldn't have been too much to ask for. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking okay. as well, eh? All right. You see, it's, point, it's pointless me... Um, getting in touch with the uh, HSC d- department on that because they but won't talk that, about I, they won't yeah. talk about individual patients yeah. and uh, you but know I, I rang I Thomas Gould the TD yesterday and he's after he's getting back on to me so what are you going okay well he's a good he's a good guy Tommy Gould yeah but yeah. what are you going to do between now and September 21st I honestly don't know I'm going to try and get up to my uncle he lives my godfather lives in a, he lives in a he lives in Newcastle West in Limerick. My godfather does, and my godfather's son lives in the city of Limerick, so I'm going to try and get up there by next Monday, I'd say. Okay, so going home isn't an option. I don't want to go into the personal aspect, but you're saying that's not an option. I, I, honestly, I honestly, like my mom now at the moment is letting me walk my dog. Like She let me back home last Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I stayed in the girlfriend's house Monday, Tuesday. And See if you could if you could either get back home or get into your girlfriend's house or whatever, and just 
start a new type of regime and routine between now and September. Obviously, stay away from drink. Get yeah, back. Get back to the gym. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's exactly what I want to do. Like, but like, I'd love if my mother was here in this now because I know she listens to Red FM, and she, she, if it's my mother listening, I hope she let me back. She doesn't know what I witnessed over the last two months inside inside town. I'm after seeing the dark side of town, and being honest, I wouldn't even go. I even said, I even said this to the doctor yesterday. He goes, would you queue outside the, the signing at uh, 11 o'clock? I goes, if someone gave me a million euro to go outside there at 11 o'clock, I wouldn't do it. It's that scary outside there. It's, 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 it's oh, terrible. well, I hope, that, I hope that she is listening and the two of you I can, well, yeah, can huddle down well. together, you know, and, and, yeah, and work I, I that out. Yeah, I really do. I really do. Okay, I really do. If, if I have people here that maybe want to have a chat with you or, or to try and motivate you or to help you, because there are many positive aspects in your life from six months ago that you can have again, you know? Yeah, I know. I know everything will go back after I go to rehab because I know it will. Like, I know. It's, it's just, just the way you... It's just, I mean, the different aspects to this story. There's lot, yeah. yeah. There's the, the way you believe you were... I, I'm not... It's not that I don't believe you. I find it extraordinary, um, you know, the, the treatment in the, in the mental health system. Um, no, but that's exactly what they... But you've said what you've had to like, say. You've, had, you've said yeah. what you've had to say. You're telling me that's what happened to you. Um, and I'll, I believe you in that regard. But... Um, yeah. You you know try try and work things out. You like I, you need to get back into the gym. You need to get running. You need to get exercising. You need to get reading. You need to get involved in hobbies and pastimes. And you know you need to stay away from the drink now because you're a young man. Yeah, and, and I know get that. into the rehab. The, the rehab will give you the skills to cope when you come out. Yeah, yeah. And then my life will be back to say back back from back like from the way I was. But whatever you do, college. don't be don't be listening to temptation now. You know, just do not. Yeah, I know, I know, I know exactly where I come from. You know, and no, stay and stay in touch you. with me, Ed. Will you see if you can chat with your ma'am? Yeah, I will. I hope she's listening. Okay, my friend. All right, we'll we'll leave it Thanks there for now. Much. Is that all right? Look after yourself. Yeah. Thanks very much. Pick up the phone any time. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And of course, um, Ed must know that he should start attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. They're not, not for everybody, but they do terrific work, as, as we do know. And many people are calling and texting and suggesting that he should go uh, and look up an AA meeting. I'm not quite sure, actually, where, what the, where they're at now with AA meetings, whether they're actually physical meetings again or, or what, but I can, I can check that. But... That is an aspect, another option for him. And some people are saying that they're happy to take him along uh, to a meeting as well, just to keep him on the straight and narrow, um, you know, so he can pick himself up and, and move on. With regards to Maureen from yesterday, just in response to Maureen, I think what is most important for her to remember is that, yes, those that are vulnerable wear masks to protect themselves, which is what Maureen suggested. They're lucky in a sense that they know they're at risk. However, if the rest of us who choose not to wear a mask are at a greater risk. Um, We know that the virus is spread through droplets and airborne. We are not doing ourselves any favours by not wearing one. She might not be worried about herself getting it, but she she should respect the lives of others that she could infect unknowingly and realistically cause severe harm to their health. The point here that Reen is making is that we could have it, be asymptomatic and pass it on. Those who don't wear one are genuinely at a higher risk. They are the ones spreading it between each other. 
It's not about freedom of choice. It's about using your freedom to make the choice, the right choice for herself and others. Mind you, I'm unable to come on air, but I feel I need to email you. I'm sitting here at work. Uh, from I'm sitting here working from home, listening to your show as I do every morning. I'm absolutely infuriated at the ignorance of your caller speaking about how masks are idiotic and more or less saying in a nutshell about things should just get back to normal. I would like to know if this woman is a medical professional or perhaps does she work for the World Health Organization, seeming as she seems to know so much um, about all the different approaches to public health. I appreciate everyone is entitled to their opinion. That's what your program's about. But oh my God, I can't even comprehend her attitude as I listen. Governments in countries globally would not be encouraging people to wear masks and face coverings if there was no scientific evidence to support this. Governments globally would not have put countries into lockdown and destroyed their own economies if they wanted to scare people or cause hysteria. Think about it. This is a real situation occurring in everyday lives. It's a pandemic. Did we ever think we would see this in our lifetime? No, we didn't. But the reality is it's happening. Do we want to be like Italy, Brazil or America? where the scenes I see on television upsets me greatly, coffins lowered into the ground in mass graves. I find it quite laughable how suddenly non-medical professionals have become experts on pandemics and the spread of viruses, and suddenly wearing face masks is idiotic. Maybe Neffet should start recruiting these people. Might solve our situation. We have many Irish professionals at the moment who have significant experience with other outbreaks in other parts of the world advising us, and people need to listen to them. I'm a huge fan of Jerry Killeen's and I respect his opinion as he says it as it is to people and he doesn't sugarcoat. Uh, and the problem is people need to realise the seriousness and long-term impact of this virus. I've been working from home for six months now. To be honest, I don't really think employers or our government want life like this for people in Ireland. Honestly, why would they? The reality is people need to follow restrictions. The government aren't doing this for the sake of it or having a laugh about it. It's terrible for the Irish people, especially the vulnerable, but as a country, we need to aim for zero COVID nation. Love the show. You got me through many days working from home for the last six months. I thank you for that. Says Tara by email to neil at redfm.ie. There are many different emails and texts, and I'm endeavouring to do the best I can to get through it all. Back to the phone lines we go, though. Ruth, good morning. Hi, good morning. Okay, so you have Apple Betty's Cafe in Skibbereen. I even get hungry. I get get hungry even at the sound of Apple Betty's Cafe. (laughs) Well, you've got to come in, don't you? For what? Have you got any apple tart or apple crumble in there? Absolutely, all homies. If I ran the world, every menu would have apple tart and apple crumble on it. But anyway. And you have a salad menu once you've got apple tart on it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so what's on your mind? So I I work with Red FM on. Now, obviously, I don't always get the full story because I'm in and out. But yesterday morning and this morning, what I'm getting is a lot of negativity, a lot of long lists of places that people don't feel safe to go, of cafes and restaurants and pubs that aren't putting COVID regulations into place. And I just think we have enough negativity. What did you, yeah, are you, are you referring at all to Laura's email about uh, the lunch for the you know, friend on Sarah? I caught the end of that. I only caught the end of it. But that's actually one of a long list of them over the last couple of days. And I just think we need to get some positivity out there. We need to give the people that are doing things correctly a clap on the back and a shout out because it's not easy for anybody. It costs a lot to put these things in place. And to be honest, it's like 
I actually would be very slow now to slate any industry because what I find is you don't really understand the sector until you're working in it. So it's very easy for us to slate any sector and saying, oh, they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong, without actually understanding the pressures that the people working in that sector... I appreciate that, but people are good paying good money to go into restaurants and cafes and you can't be sat down by a waiter or a waitress to a table that's still dirty. That's why you need to compile a list on air of those cafes and restaurants that people feel safe going into and that are doing a good job. I, I need to do that, is it? Well, the general public, the court public need to start writing in and going, I was in such and such a place today. Oh my God, the place is backless. The tables are socially distanced. There is sanitising stations here, there and everywhere. There is a one-way system in place. You know, we felt really safe. I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm all, I'm all ears for those kind of stories and calls as well. But I suppose the last few days has been a bit of a kick in the ghoulies, if you don't mind me saying it, with the barman swinging off the counter, pouring whiskey into people's throats. You will forgive me, but there's no there's no answer for ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and and as everybody always says, everybody is responsible for themselves. I do know also, though, um, I suppose in saying that and in promoting good news stories, I suppose I'd also ask for the public maybe to be a bit more aware of what people that are trying to reopen their doors and pay back their bills, what they're actually going through. I know at the very beginning, we only opened a couple of weeks ago. It's the height of the season. It was August bank holiday. Um, Of course, as well, you're not allowed so many staff working in a small space and people still expected their food out in no time at all you know there will be uh, there will be hiccups and bumps on the road I know that and and also you're also working with lower tables so um, you, we, we took out half our tables which means you've half. taken out half of your take half of our tables are gone into storage yeah. we're so, paying a storage unit to store half of our tables so we are down 50% on seating yeah but are you turning the tables fast enough we are. We are. It's the height of the season, though. Do you know? Um, we don't know what's ahead of us. Yeah, but I mean, it's do you have to ask people? Sorry, no, but you, you know, you've had your People lunch. don't hang around. They don't really. They eat and they go. Um, you know, so we haven't had a problem with that. We haven't had to ask anybody to leave. All right. Okay, so accentuate the positive more, lads. Let's Absolutely. hear about the places that are doing it right. Absolutely, absolutely. And give them a clap on the back because, you know, <clears throat> it's not an easy time for anybody. And, and it's a very uncertain time. It's like, do you know what? It's like Russian roulette, isn't it? You, just, we, you get up every morning and you just don't know what's going to happen that day. So it's a lot of pressure to try and run a business that is has a small... Oh, it's hell for anybody in hospitality. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could turn on the radio and there's people are ringing in and going, oh my God, I was in such and such cafe today. They're doing a fantastic okay, job. Okay, I'll encourage people to start texting me with those kind of comments yeah. and let me know where they've been and what kind of a time they've had there. We, yeah, I, ideally, ideally the good ones because I get a lot of the negative. I have another one here in a minute now, forgive me. But thanks all the same, <laughs> Ruth. It's a great idea, all right? 
All right. Thanks a million. Take Beautiful, Skibbery. Next time you're down there, check out Ruth at Apple Betty's Cafe. I'm emailing you to highlight my total annoyance with the fact that it's one rule for some pubs and another for the rest. I was out in the city on Saturday. Both places I was in had definitely more than 50 people in them. I was in a bar where they wouldn't allow us to take any videos on our phones. I'm guessing for fear that it would be used on social media. There were no time restrictions. There was DJ playing, and there were definitely more than 50 people sitting down in the building. We did have to stay seated, and our drinks were brought to us, but other than that, it was a free-for-all. Yet the rest of the pubs don't serve food. that don't serve food are having to stay shut. It's an absolute disgrace. All these bars that normally don't serve food are now opening up as restaurants. Yet the rest of the publicans that haven't opened up as a restaurant are told they have to stay closed. They haven't even been given the opportunity to prove to the government that they could work with the guidelines, says Nicole. Thank you for that. I, I fail to see what part of your experience or your time out was wrong. Um, I mean, you, you say there was definitely more than 50. I, I can't argue with you there unless you did a headcount. But everybody was sitting down. Everybody had to stay seated. All of your drinks were brought to you. So they had a DJ playing a few tunes. Super. I mean, you were eating. You were sitting down. You were served. Tables were physically distanced from each other. I mean, what part of it, like apart from maybe a headcount, which could have proved how many people were in the place? Anyway, uh, keep a comment. Text 0868104106. In the old days, you'd been lucky to get a bag of potatoes in a lot of these bars. For the past five months, I've lived by the laws that have been set out under the pandemic. Like most, I've enjoyed a very active social life up to the time the bars were closed. But sadly, no more. I know we now have been given a slight lifeline being able to go to bars that serve food for up to 90 minutes with an entrance fee of €9. Euro. Let's call a spade a spade. Not that I agree with it, but again, that's the law. That's what's been laid down. But here's my problem. How in the name of God can every bar in a certain suburb in the city be open when before all this, all you'd have ever got in there would be a bag of tato? I know some of these bars meet the regulations set out, but how come the others can trade openly without as much as a frying pan in sight? and the one you knock on the door for entry with no entrance for your time limit. My point here is I'm upholding the law doing my bit with so many others to get rid of this virus and to see these bars openly trading when no compliance is not right with so many other bars having to keep their doors shut, it just boils my blood. I'm sure this is going on all over the city, but how do, the lef- how do they get left away with it? Is this no longer being policed, says Michael? Not 100% sure what you're saying here. One part you're saying that they haven't a frying pan in sight and you, and there's one you knock on the door for entry. Um, there's no food in that place, is it, where you knock on the door for entry? Because to be honest with you, any pub that decides to serve food to get opened, I can't blame them for a moment. They're a business, you know. They have staff, they have overheads, you know. That's their livelihood. So I don't know why you would have a problem with a bar that never did food before, now serving food, if it means that they can open to survive. Maybe I'm the only person that thinks that way. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Pick up the phone, 1850104106. And good morning. Hello, Neil. Okay, you got the radio down there and you're on hands free, or you're, on, you're speaking into the phone? Yeah, I'm okay now. Yeah. Oh, grand, there was a little bit of an echo. Anyway, go ahead. You were coming back from a. You're on a trip. That's right, yeah. Um, Monday um, night, we were coming back from um, a day out. We had a lovely day out down in Ross Carberry. Lovely. And we were coming back through Black. Ross Carberry, did you not get hammered with the floods, no? 
No, last Monday was gorgeous. Okay. We had the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. It was beautiful. I think it was Thursday that the, the floods happened or Wednesday. But, um, yeah, so we were coming through Blackpool and we were stopped at the, the traffic lights there at the end of Dublin Hill. Um, and we noticed um, a bar over to the right of us. There was um, a lady came out and she did a bit of looking around, looking left and right. And the next thing, she left a, a gentleman out. So my husband said, did you see that? And we were like, jeepers. So the next thing, a couple of minutes later, the same thing happened. Um, and taxi driver gave a little beep and she left another gentleman out. And off over, he went into the cab. So she closed the door again. So the following morning, I said that I'd um, ring the Watercourse Road and, and you know, report it. So um, I did that and I got onto a vanguard and I just said, look, there's a bar there we passed last night and I think that they're open and they shouldn't be. And uh, I just wanted to let you know and gave the name of the, the pub and they, the vanguard said, oh, yeah, they're they're open. They're, and I said, they're open? I said, but should they? They don't serve food, do they? And she said, they're getting food from next door. So... I presume it's a bar a couple of doors down. I know there's um, a bookies close by as well, next door to it. So there's there's a bar um, that's obviously serving food a couple of doors down that they're getting their food from, she said. Um, I just said, God, that's that's crazy. Um, she agreed. She said, look... Yeah, Why is it crazy, though? Maybe I'm completely out of kilter here, but... Why is it crazy to because serve I, someone else's food? I feel that unless the food is, you know, being prepared on the premises and being served in the premises, I couldn't see many. Pla- I, you know, I pass that area all the time, and I've never seen anybody going from one bar to the other with plates of food. I just couldn't see it happening. This was ten to ten as well at night, Neil. You know. Um, I just feel it's just an excuse that they're just... I know, but like, it may well be an excuse, but it's a damn good one if it means the business will survive. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, with, with the numbers, the way they're going at the moment, and with, you know, people waiting on hospital appointments and sick children waiting on hospital appointments, I just feel that, you know, this bar, the same bar probably fits 15 people in. It's a really small bar. So if there is somebody going in there with the virus, the whole bar is infected. You well, know? we contacted the pub you're referring to. It's Ganey's Bar. And they're loud and proud defending how they operate. In fairness to them, they said, there was, they said and this is a statement from Geraldine at Ganey's in Blackpool, she said, there was no one sneaking out of Ganey's. Uh, they had left on their own steam, out the front door. And she said... I'm providing a service to my regulars and I do not have the lights on outside as I don't want to attract people from other areas. We provide food to those regulars from the Groves, which is the pub you're referring to that does food, and from Murphy's Chipper, as well as a number of other premises. We stop the food at 9.45 and we close the bar at 11pm. There's never anyone langers uh, as they all had food and a few pints. We can only have 22 people in the premises at any one time um, Geraldine says, I've had to hire two additional staff to ensure every COVID procedure is in place and to protect my clientele. These additional staff I'm paying out of my own pocket as the government subsistence doesn't kick in until the 1st of September. 
I hope that clarifies matters. How do you feel right, about that? Right. Well, I, I still feel the same, you know. Um, I, I just don't think, unless the bar is uh, preparing the food and that they're, they're a bar that serves food all the time, um, that they, they should be open, you know. Um, and on the night, I, I can only say what I saw, Neil, and the doors were closed and the, the people that were coming out they looked as if they were sneaking out. She was opening the door, looking around and letting them out, you know. Um, I don't know why you would get that impression. I, I didn't, I wasn't there. It was the impression you got. I don't know why you would get that impression because they're entitled to be open. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know, that's just my opinion. Oh, and I appreciate it. You, I you were of the belief that unless the food is prepared on the premises, one shouldn't be bringing it in from a chipper, even a super chipper like Murphy's. Yeah, well, Murphy's Chipper is up in Gerald Griffin Street, so that's, you know, a 20-minute walk from there, a 15-minute walk. Somebody's going up there. Ah, it's not 20 customers. minutes. How do they work that? So a customer comes in and says, can, I, can you get me fish and chips? But and there, could be, there could be people who go out for their couple of pints lunchtime or in the afternoon or of an evening. There could be elderly pensioners who life, life is, you know, they have little enough with regards to... A lot of them live alone. They have little enough for the guys to company. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the two the two gentlemen that I actually saw coming out of there would have been elderly gentlemen. I, I, and and they, they probably are regulars there, I would imagine yeah. they are. And, you I, and, you know, I love that. I, I mean, I'm sorry for not agreeing with you. I respect your point of view. But I think there's something very lovely about looking after gentlemen like that and, you know, giving them a bit of food and letting them have their couple of pints. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, that. You know, it's just my own opinion. Um, I don't think that it, it should, it's right. I really don't. Okay, you know? okay. No, appreciate it. Thank you. Much obliged. Anyway, no we contacted them and I'm glad that you made the call because I got an opportunity. Thank you so much, Anne. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. I got an opportunity to see how small pubs have adapted and managed to do it. And I, for one, say hats off to them. I really do. I've been to Gainey's, Neil. I've had food on the premises. I had to sign a book on entry, give my name and phone number. Uh, nobody, somebody else is suggesting here, oh my God, I despair at the begrudgery of Cork people, says Michelle in Carrigaline. I'm quite sure, and I know I've dealt with it on the pa- in the past, so I know for sure that there are other pubs that never did food before who are now providing food to customers from other outlets. Um, and you know something? What of it, you know? Bring it on. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Right, Bernadette wants to know, why do I have a problem with places saying no videoing or photographing in the bar? Uh, she says, also, no one should be allowed videos in bars, full stop. It's not fair on the customers, and the same should go for shops, hairdressers, beaches, etc. You should have to ask the public if you want to take a video or a photograph that might include them in it. And people have in the past uh, came across the story uh, some weeks back of somebody who took a, fo- a young flu took a photograph and uh, was other kids in it who shouldn't have been in it and the parents called around to the other person's house and asked them to have the photograph deleted so that can happen. Um, so I appreciate that. Like the only the only downside to that is that um, if there was no videos or photographs or cameras in the Berlin Par in Dublin, we would never have seen the barman swinging off one of the poles on top of the bar counter. Um, pour and drink and whiskey down people's gullet. So um, you can't have one without the other, I suppose. Yes, I did see the photographs in Shornock Grove and in Toker. I have them in front of me. Mary says, as a resident of Shornock Grove, Shornock Grove in Toker, I'm absolutely disgusted that their house in the estate has been trashed. 
I have attached some pictures for you. I don't know if these pictures, did they ever make it online? Were they ever pu- published online, put online, or do I have the only copy of them? Um, this trashing of this house happened on Saturday night. The guardie even had to be called as there was so much trouble. These houses uh, were only given out six months ago. So they're brand new, beautiful houses, Shornock Grove, Toker, and one of them is totally wrecked already. The windows were even blown in. Such a shame, as they are such beautiful houses. The contractor who built the houses were there yesterday morning to assess the damage. There are people crying out for homes. And then you have these incidents happening where people just have no respect whatsoever. The rest of the residents in the estate, like me, are absolutely horrified and hope that this one isolated incident won't give our area a bad name. Love the show, says Mary. See the photographs for yourself. And I have them here. Um, and the house is absolutely trashed. You are right about the windows, uh, the downstairs windows. Um, these are seriously kitted out houses, um, right down to solar pa- solar panels on the roof um, type houses. They're lovely, very, very modern to a very high spec. But the inside of it, it's like, so- it's like as if an elephant was put inside in the middle of the house and was trying to get out. I mean, seriously. Everything is completely ripped out, including um, the uh, balustrades of the banister and the stairwell. Totally ripped out. The beds are smashed to bits. Totally smashed to bits. Um, Like, I could not begin to describe the damage. It just looks like a bomb went off inside in that house. Don't know why. Um, We did contact Garda Press and they said there was a criminal damage incident in Shornock Grove at 6 a.m. Saturday night, probably into Sunday morning. A man aged in his 20s was arrested and charged in relation to this. He appeared before the courts on the 16th of August. As it's before the courts right now, we are unable to give any more information. I mean, you would just cry if you saw the damage that was done. Don't know why. Undoubtedly, as the court case progresses, we will probably find out. So watch this space for details. Uh, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We did contact a number of local councillors on the matter, uh, but as yet, we're waiting for a callback. Seems, it seems to me that every single... <laughs> I know I shouldn't generalise, but many councillors are on holidays. And those that weren't on holidays refused to comment or to help us with any of our inquiries regarding whatever happened in that house. Don't know why. Don't know why. I mean, one or two said they just didn't know. Others just didn't want to get involved. So that's where we're at with it. Back to the phone lines we go. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, no, thank you so much. Now, you, you want to pick up on an earlier caller. Which one? Oh, firstly, um, the last girl that's had to be on the phone a couple of minutes ago, I'm up in Dublin. And we're falling apart up here in Dublin as a capital city. And I think as you go outside of Dublin into the smaller counties, you can see how uh, everybody's watching, like hawks, watching everything. Don't miss a trip, like George Orwell, 1984. Oh, you're talking about the um, lady on the air referencing the pub in Blackpool serving food from a chipper. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, well, we, we, we've done that. But yeah. the reason the reason I rang you up is because I uh, what I do is, I, I was put out of business. I used to drive up and down to Cork all the time as a chauffeur. And I've a chauffeur business that's gone bust because I, I, I feed into uh, into 
you know, corporate business and the hotel industry. And a third and generation so, show for business, so yeah. a very successful one at that. We're in the business to families since 1956, and uh, we've invested in new vehicles in 201, and they're sitting outside doing nothing. So we're just waiting on the bank now to take them back. Oh, I forgot And uh, it's all gone pear-shaped up in Dublin. But since I was put into lockdown, I decided that I was going to become a uh, CS investigator. CS. What's that? CS. Common sense. Common sense. I don't think people remember this. Common sense where last year on YouTube, on YouTube, and it's there today, hopefully they, they don't take it down while, we're, while I'm on the phone talking to you. So this is a message for everybody out there in Cork that's listening today. Go into YouTube today, Neil, and go in and Google. I watched this program uh, seven weeks before Wuhan was ever mentioned. Before anyone ever even heard of where Wuhan was, the Wuhan bat. There's a program on YouTube called Event 201. And I'm sure they're all going mad now in YouTube, but we'll just announce it. Event 201 is a stage simulation. A stage simulation that was put on in the John Hopkins University. And it was paid for by the Belinda Belinda and Bill Gates Foundation. Okay. They staged a simulation called the coronavirus seven weeks beforehand. And everything that you're seeing right now, this minute, is on the five-hour program. And I guarantee you, I rang all the radio stations around the country to try and let them know about this, what was coming. Events 201. Uh, what, okay, it's five hours event, long, but give me the gist of what it will, what it will outline. Event 201 is to uh, get rid of cash, become a cashless society. It's all about bringing in a, a, a sort of, some sort of a, a, a pandemic, which they, did, they called an epidemic. Uh, the same person, Bill Gates, put on a program on Netflix called The Panademic, which is another one last year. It's, so don't go by the Netflix program. Go by YouTube and watch Event 201. It's all to do with getting rid of the cash. If you go into Vodafone or any of the shops today, they'll tell you at the door, we're not taking cash anymore. We've got the Square Shopping Centre in Tallaght. I went into Vodafone the other day. I'm not here to, to promote them or anything like that. I got to the door. I was told, you're not coming in. And uh, if you want anything, uh, we're only accepting credit cards now. And I, I asked the guy, I said, and since when did all this happen? Oh, uh, we brought this in in January. I said, well, I never read nothing about it. No, no, we're, we're, that's the way it is now. But how and, then uh, do you connect a, connect a cashless society with the Wuhan bat, you're fr- referring to the flying creature, and COVID-19? Well, put it this way, Neil. If you went in and Googled uh, a thing called... Um, the Wuhan Games, that's as big as the Olympics that nobody in Ireland knows about. The Wuhan Games, go in and Google it there while you're talking to me. Wuhan Games and 34 Irish representatives from Cottle Brewer Barracks in Ratmines in Dublin represented Ireland walking around with a flag in an event that's as big as the Olympics. Nobody knew about this. Wuhan has been used, the P4 facility. That's used over there, where this... The 2000, they're the, the military world games there, yeah. The military world games, which takes place every year Yeah, but stick, stick with me now, work with me as to how this comes yeah. back to COVID and why uh, the likes of Anne snitching on people is wrong. I don't think uh, people of that age group are with. The people that are all falling for this uh, virus is, is unbelievable. Put it this way, Neil, I'll ask you a quick question. And I'm going to ask all your listeners today. 
780,000 people have died from it worldwide on corona.help on the website that's updated on a daily basis. 780,000 people today dead. You've got 60 seconds to name five, five famous people. 60 seconds. Ask your listeners 60 seconds to name five famous people. Oh my God, I don't think I could do any to be quite honest. 780,000 people. That's a lot of people now. Yeah, I don't name think I, I don't think I could do it off the top of my head. I don't think name so. Name a footballer, name an actor, name a, name some athlete, name. Think of it. I guarantee all your listeners are there wondering. Oh, when Tom Hanks? No, he didn't die from it. Even when you go into Google and type in name the dead people, famous dead people that died from the coronavirus, they put up Tom Hanks on the images. They didn't die. I didn't ask that question. I asked, did the who's the famous people that died from it? Okay, here's another one. The snooker final that was on the other day in Sheffield, they allowed in 300 people for the final. Nobody allowed in for the whole competition in the Crucible. Uh, the second thing as well, the event 201 that happened. Um, actually, I just, I just did Google that. I cheated. Um, Dave Greenfield, the keyboard player with the Stranglers, uh, died, died after contracting coronavirus. Um, Tim Brooke Taylor, uh, the comedian, you remember him? He died of coronavirus. You never heard of him? No, Eddie, see, Eddie I La- no you're not allowed to use Google. Uh, no, uh, I know, I said I, I said I cheated. I couldn't think of anything. But Eddie Large, the comedian, died of coronavirus. Yeah, we know him, the comedian. Yeah. That's grand, fair enough. But I'm just talking about famous people that play for Dublin, the GAA, or Conor McGregor, or David Beckham. Or, now, why, no. why, are you, why are you even bringing that up? Why would they need because to be famous? This forest wouldn't work, work in 20 years from now because everybody will have a smarter voice. Most people that's in these care homes don't have an iPad, okay? Nana that's going down the road with her mask on is afraid of her life to go out. I have a wife that's a barber, she has a barber shop, she's spending half the day now looking out the window because nobody is a, they, all the old people are afraid to leave the house because of the fear, because of RTE ramming down the numbers down your throat every day. And still, 9,000 people every year die from cancer. So, while everybody's sitting, waiting to get the vaccine, where's the vaccine for cancer? They won't get that because it's worth too much money. All the money that's pumped into cancer research every year. Mm. There's nothing about that. i put it this way. I drove down to Tala Hospital. I sat down there for an hour with a camera, and I recorded an hour's worth of people coming in and out of the hospital. You know the only thing that was missing in the air? Ambulances. Mm. Not one ambulance came in in the air into Tala Hospital, mm. which which is huge. Tala, I live up in City West in Dublin, okay? But I, I, I know, okay. Actually, John Prine died from complications after contracting coronavirus. I think everybody knows John Prine. You know him, don't you? No. Never heard of John Prine? I want the people that are just household names. I want the household name people that... uh, I don't think they need to be famous anyway to be significant. Do you know what I mean? The virus is different around the world. Uh, When when the government start matching it up to other countries, like we're as bad as America, we're as bad as China. I'll I'll ask you a quick question, Neil, right? If 4,000 people died from the virus in China, would you believe that? 4,000? If 4,000 died out of 1.3 billion. And where did you get that figure from? That's up there on the, on the corona.help. It's on all the websites. You can go in there right now and you can check it. Just type it in, corona.help. Jeez, you, really, you, really have, you really have me working this morning, you know. 
Listen, I've done all the research. I've been put out of business. I don't. If I'm going, no, I'm, 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 not agree, I'm not disagreeing with you. Four thousand six hundred and thirty-four. But that's what they're yeah. telling us. No, well, being honest with you, that's what they tell you. So when Tony Houlihan is sitting there telling you, and Trump is telling you that he's not putting any more money into the WHO, how many Irish clowns and the little sheep that's around Cork and everywhere else and in Dublin are sitting there wondering, when are we going to be told it's over? What they? So the, the bottom line is, I'm putting out business here. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm like the Titanic now. If I'm going down, everyone is coming down with me. I don't give a shit. And listen, the government is on six weeks holidays through an epidemic. It's not a pandemic. Trump and Boris Johnson and even Mary uh, Lou MacDonald in Ireland caused a, a epidemic. Now, all the old people that's sitting in the care home or in hospital right now at the moment, if they have a mobile phone, should Google the words epidemic and see the difference between pandemic and epidemic. And everyone that you know, if you ask them, you know anybody What's the it? difference? Tell me the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic. A pandemic is uh, the Spanish flu. That's a pandemic. Where they're burying you out your back garden because there's no room anywhere else to be buried. And the disease is much worse than this. It's like when AIDS was mentioned first, when AIDS came out. And men were afraid to have sex with each other because of AIDS and you were going to get AIDS. AIDS was being passed around everywhere, remember? Yeah, that was and an all epidemic. of a sudden now you can, you can live with AIDS now. Because, you know, first day you see gay men hooking up with each other and they're telling each other, oh, it's AIDS. And it's just like it's a walk in the park, you know? Um, so, and when you, say, when you say that you're going down and you're bringing everybody with you, what do you mean by that? I'm turning around and I'm going to swim the opposite way. Okay, because I'm watching people in Disneyland collapsing from wearing masks. Elderly people that are with their families in Disneyland that are collapsing because they can't breathe properly with the mask. The mask, you need oxygen coming in. Don't mind what people say. If you go in, if all these elderly people that are wearing the masks around the country went in and done some research on it and came across all these professors around the world that tell you that the mask, you might as well be you might as well be look it's a waste of time mm. because the bottom line is that you're touching why isn't everybody wearing gloves disposable gloves they're touching things in the shops they're putting them back onto the shelves they're touching the doors I see it my god I see it in the fruit and veg almost every yeah. time I go in there I feel like saying to somebody listen would you just look at it pick it up and take it Bucci and all even said it Dr. Bucci Bucci or whatever his name Fauci. is Listen, I, I, I can go, I'll play along with it, that is the word. All right, well, listen, it's good to talk to you, Paul. I want you to stay in touch, but I hear that Dublin is in a really bad state. I mean, at least there's some kind of a buzz around Cork. There isn't even that in Dublin. I mean, it's supposed to be, like, depressing, is it? Everybody's it's left. Depressing, though. Neil, to be honest with you, it's, it's not a good place to be at the moment in, our, in Ireland. And as I said, if we keep on going down the well, the way we're going down, there won't be any business. I'll give you an example before you go. We may work for the social welfare. And he's given me, he said to me, Paul, he says, I got up, he says, last week, he says, um, I discovered that there's 2,000 Debenham staff out of work, 900 motor care out of work, and 1,500 Arnott and Brown Thomas staff out of work, he said, and that's only the start of it. He says, it's going to be, the tax take next year is going to be something that Ireland has never seen before. Tiny. Uh, 
because of self-employed people like me and all the other people that have no money to give into the tax. And manager. will the bank just take back the fleet now, Paul? Of the probably big yeah, mercs, are they? No, some of the some of the cars we have we have we own, and so some of them we don't. I give an example. There's a nine-seater Sprinter corporate. There's only one of these in the country. We brought it in from England, eighty-two thousand uh, for a nine-seater corporate bus that is used for corporate business up in Sandyford, and that might as well. You might as well just put that back into the bank. And I've loads of friends in Dublin that have bought brand new coaches that are sitting in the yard. And Air Coach, another company that's just after being bought by an English company, Air Coach, Air Coach that goes to Cork, yeah. that was just bought out by an English company before the coronavirus, which nobody knows about. Um, they were bought by an English company, and they're struggling big time now because. Of the, uh, of people and of course, your, from board. your point of view, the corporate business has completely disappeared. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to have a second lockdown like Australia, and people will be jumped off for not wearing the mask by the police, like like what happens in Melbourne. That's on Sky News. That's made big news this week. Neil, if you've seen the news yeah. in, in Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. the second lockdown is going to come. And to be honest with you, kids going back to school, having to wear a mask all day. Here's the best one. You might tell your listeners in Dublin. What they're doing while the government's in, 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 in six-week holidays, which they shouldn't be in a pandemic. God help us if Germany, if, if Hitler was bombing us, the Irish government just pack up and go on holidays. Can people not smell, and don't be to be rude here, can they not smell it? The Does world, according, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, okay. As, as I said, we have to sit up for a minute because we're going to destroy ourselves here. You've heard the expression. Well, my worry is we're going to destroy the we're going to destroy 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 the college and the career prospect of many leaving cert students if they don't rethink this this results algorithm. Neil, Neil the, the, the schools up here are talking about not letting the kids into school, secondary kids into school, unless they've got a crest on the mask. And that's going to cost mammies and daddies around the country a tenner. Ten euros that have the crest put onto the mask. And that mask will have to be disposable. Oh, so you're going to have say. to have a couple of masks or one that you ah, can that's, wash. That's the worst nonsense I've ever heard. No, I'll tell you, listen, it's all over the... Uh, Four FM. Sorry for promoting. No, that. I don't care where you heard it. In fairness, to them, it's their story, but it's just no, nonsense. He's already spoke about this. This all the crests were on the phone yesterday. I wonder are there any schools in Cork insisting on crests on masks? Let's find out. Anyway, that's the world yeah. according to Paul. Good to catch oh, up. Bill, just before you go, while everybody's in lockdown, they can, they can go in and uh, they can go into Google and they can type in. Uh, 5G that's being rolled out in a park up in Dublin here called the Dodder Park. D-O-D-D-E-R. D-O-D-D-E-R. What's so special about the Dodder Park in Dublin and 5G while they're putting this in, while everybody's in lockdown? They're putting in towers that are the same shape and look like a tree. Artificial trees that are now towers that they're putting into parks around the country. Remember, this was all put in place while we were all in lockdown. And God knows what else is being done. All the keys in Dublin, the fast lanes have been turned into cycle tracks. Well, I went into the city last week. I couldn't believe all the changes because this is all being done. What else is getting done while everything is in lockdown? Okay, we covered a lot of ground. Food for thought. Appreciate the contribution. Stay in touch. Event 201. Everybody should Google it and learn. Take care, Paul, the taxi driver. Much obliged. Lines open at one 850 Text 0868104106. Back after these. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 
1851 Red FM. Okay, somebody's making the point. Celebrities don't die, and celebrities don't die of uh, coronavirus. Well, certainly, I named a few there, including the great John, Plum, John Prine. Celebrities don't die because they can afford better health care. Um, that's interesting because it reminded me of Ellen DeGeneres, who described her house as a prison. During the height of lockdown in April, DeGeneres made the ludicrous uh, and unfortunate statement that she felt like she was in prison. Uh, she got hammered online um, and one or two sites actually went through her house and gave chapter and verse description of every room and every amenity in Ellen DeGeneres' house, including the pool. I mean, her main house is in Beverly Hills. Like, I'd, far, I'd imagine that it's far from a bedsit. I know, I lived in a bedsit when I started out and it's far from Ellen DeGeneres' house in... Beverly Hills. Anyway, more on that. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Last bit, and I'll come back to it in the morning. Last bit of business for now is restaurants whose heads are absolutely wrecked by no-shows. Down in Port McGee at the weekend, there was a table of eight that never showed up, right? Uh, and of course, all of the tables had to be set aside and sanitized and they were just sitting there. And when they rang them, they said, oh, yeah, sorry, we forgot to cancel. So eight. But while that eight, the table of eight was just sitting there, 16 people like two or three different families, or maybe two families, I'm not sure what, rocked in asking for a table. And they had to be turned away um, because this table for eight was gone. But what they could have done was if they'd known, they could have split them all into different tables and they'd have got 16 bookings, which could have probably turned into the bones of four or 500 euro that was lost just because of these numpties who didn't call in or cancel. You know, I mean, it's an absolute head wreck. Paul Travaux would know more about it, but he doesn't take it lying down. Travaux's in Killarney. Paul, good morning. Morning, sir. How are you? You can relate to that then, can you? I can. I, I kind of did an angry tweet last night and woke up this morning and realised it's gone out to about 100,000 people. <laughs> what, was the te- what was the tweet about? Uh, we Look, we had a table of 10 and I know the first thing people are going to say, take a credit card or a deposit and this kind of stuff. But yeah. we're trying to cling on to the last bit of decency in mankind out there because as restaurateurs and uh, probably every business around the land, we're, you know, we're asking so much of people, you know, arrive at this time, you have to go at that time, you have to do this, sanitize here, wash your hands and go do this, all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to hang on, to cling on to a little bit of decency in, in mankind. And they, to see, the problem was is they, they were booked for Sunday, then they rang us to say, could they change? to Monday and we said no problems and then about three hours before they were due in they rang to say look we're going to be half an hour late we're just waiting on one person to come down I said no problems so you think everything has ticked the box you would think they're definitely going to arrive to be honest absolutely absolutely and they're due in at half eight and you know about 10-15 minutes go by and we say look they said they were going to be late we won't ring them to see what the story is and all of a sudden we rang them and we went oh yeah yeah, we, we meant to ring you to cancel sorry well, I tell you, it was funny, actually. I can laugh at it now because I was upstairs uh, talking away to a few other people that were in. And when I came down, my manager, there was steam coming out of his ears. And he said, Jesus, well, I didn't say it to them. And I said, what did you say? And he said, I said this. I said, that's a good man. They deserve it. So he kind of tore strips into them. And, and you know, could I ask you, you know, when you were, were there people calling in on spec that you'd be turning away? We, we turned away, I'd say, 50 to 60 people last night easily for, for those tables. The problem was that they were pretty much delayed sitting and there was nobody, there's nobody really walking the streets, uh, you know, looking to walk in at that time because, especially midweek, most people have already made their reservations. So there was nobody we could chop and change and bring in instead. So it was basically 10, 10 seats gone, you know, work out the average spend and that's what we're down and that's, that's the guy's wages for the week. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just, as I said, you're trying your damnedest to hang on to the last bit of, 
common decency in mankind out there and these guys go and screw it all up with that, you know. And what so, do you think their story was? I mean, the, we hear of these, I don't know, Chinese whispers, for want of a better term, where people are booking two and three different restaurants and choosing at the last minute kind of thing, no? Yeah, that that's definitely the case. And when I was up in Dublin, that was certainly the case that a lot of people, especially around Christmas, you know, where do you want to go? I fancy Chinese, I want an Italian, I want this. Um, you know, so they book three or four restaurants and on the night they decide. But, uh, I mean, these guys sounded like when my manager rang them, sounded he said as if they were at home and they just, I don't know if the booking was legit at all in the first place, you know. Maybe somebody was just trying to... you got to take a credit card, though, don't you? you got to take a credit card and deduct 20 euro per sitting. Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, at the end of the day, like, we're, we're trying, yes, is, is, the, is the obvious answer, but I mean, we're, we're trying to hope that people are genuine out there, and 99.9% of them are, touch wood, this is the only time this has happened to us this year, but uh, I still like to be able to take people at face value. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.